A public service announcement to all those listeners out there. Hmm. We have spoilers coming up in this coming episode. And every episode, we are a spoiler show. Mm-hmm. We hold no secrets. Nope. We tell no lies. Well, uh, I don't know about that, but anyway, if you're a true cinephile, you've probably already seen the movies that we're going to mention and TV shows. But if you're not, you're just willy-nilly watching movies here and there, then you might have a spoiler in here. So Then watch your ass. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow, Tim. Because we're spoiling it. <laughs> Can you soften that a bit? <laughs> watch your sexy hot ass, because we're going to spoil it. Perfection. <laughs> Let's start this transmission. <laughs> I'm setting us up for something super exciting. So you, Tim, are telling me, Derek, that you're setting us up for a new episode of our own show? Yes. And of course, our show is called... Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. Oh, that's a beautiful title. You better say that with pride. I am. Well, I'm going to take a stab in the dark at that song you were singing at the top of the show. I'm going to guess what it is. I have two guesses. The first one being Gumby. (laughs) That's it Nope Got it on the nose (laughs) Oh I I did Okay Then I am totally unprepared for this show (laughs) Because I was thinking that it was the second choice that I had Which was another green character And his name is Godzilla Yeah Giant movie monsters like the world famous King Kong. You know, it was beauty killed the beast. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> Made him fall off that building. No, it was Jack Black. Ugh, with his annoyingness. <laughs> yeah, and creatures of the like throughout cinema history. I like, and 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 I think you know who we're gonna be talking about. We'll get to them. I haven't a clue. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. We're going to meander through all of the filmographies, not each and every one, but ones that meant something to us. We're going to look at those giant monsters. Yeah. And see the ones that meant something to us. Now, we are not Godzilla or Kaiju or any of these giant monster aficionados. And we know there's plenty of you experts out there that are going to want to throw rocks at us and... (laughs) And uh, pick and us apart sh- and shoot and have that, the buzzards. Shoot yeah. that Godzilla breath at us and destroy us. 
but don't. You just take it, take it easy, goddammit. Yeah, gee whiz, cockadoody. <laughs> Let's all have fun. Yeah, bringo. <laughs> so, having said that, Let's get into the show. All right, I'm unzipping and getting in. So, there were a handful of uh, dinosaur movies like Lost World and all that stuff that took place in the silent film era. Right. And they used the stop motion animation and all that stuff and kind of set the tone for that type of thing. It, and, and these were in the 20s and all that stuff. And, the uh, 20s? Holy moly. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about dinosaur movies like Jurassic Park or anything like that. We're talking about giant mutated monsters. So I guess the first one really is King Kong. Next to Clyde, he's my favorite primate. <laughs> Reared his ugly face back in 1933 with some groundbreaking special effects. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think it was that ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Those eyes are kind of weird. When they do that pan up, you know they have the big mock-up of him when he's chained up on stage. Don't be alarmed, ladies and gentlemen. Those chains are made of chrome steel. You know, they they go over his face and they're panning down his whole body. His eyes always freak me out. I saw it... My, my whole thing is, I, I saw this one on a ABC Sunday night movie. Right. They showed it. And I remember seeing it as I was probably 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Because my first viewing of, of King Kong was a different movie. So when it said King Kong, I was excited. And then this one started, I'm like, this is black and white. What the fuck is this? Right. Jeez, I don't know. I might have seen that Charles Grodin one first. Ooh. But just parts of it. Because I've never seen it all the way through. But um, I'll tell you what. I, I know it was one of those ones that I had seen with my family a few times or whatever. And uh, um, I've probably seen it maybe ten times at least yeah. over, oh, over yeah. the years. And uh, I just saw it again for the first or not the first time, but again, the first time in a while. Yeah. Probably about two years ago I right. watched it. And it still holds up, I think. I mean, it looks I've heard Fantastic. That. Right. Yeah, I mean, even considering that stop motion, it doesn't really matter. There's something charming about it, and it's fun yep. and entertaining. And Yeah. There's a certain kind of weird playfulness with the King Kong in certain spots, you know, like after he kills the dinosaur guy and starts yeah. flipping his jawbones around and <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just weird, but it's a cool touch. No, for sure. There's When you're a kid, you don't go at it with the same perspective as, you, as you're watching it with adults after you've seen a ton of CGI and all that shit. So when you're re-watching it, and it still is as impressive as it was, and I think seeing it from the eyes of a kid for the first time, that version of it is still in your head you can't shake it so yeah you, you know you still see this this massive beast it's impressive you can't help but you know i know i caught myself a few times when i was re-watching it the last time and it's like a smile on my face like wow this is cool <laughs> yeah right and um the director i believe is also the writer right isn't that right of king kong yeah Marin c cooper basically came up with the concept he might have had he might have hired writers to help him write it but uh, right from what i understand is is it's a completely original story it's not an adaptation from a novel or a book and 
he used to, this guy used to be a world traveler and an adventurer back in a time, you know, in the 1920s and early 30s when the world still had a lot of mystery to it and there was a lot of undiscovered country, so... Not Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to boldly go where no man has gone before. Anyway, uh, there was an air of plausibility to Skull Island, I guess you would say. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always loved that concept, too. Like, no matter if you're talking about this, which is, you know, is, I'm almost positive this king kong story not necessarily mm-hmm. we're keeping on the the 33 one but my first uh viewing of king kong which was the 76 version that was my first ever introduction into a mysterious island with you know these creatures that mm-hmm. you've never seen before and stuff like that and i remember just thinking that was the coolest right. shit. But yeah, see, seeing this kind of lost, you know, lost island and never before discovered, and you know, these people are going there, they find these monsters and King Kong yeah. and all of this stuff. It's like a prehistoric know. time kind of thing, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, uh, so I, and, and before even seeing that, it was either I would have to say close to either seeing it before or after I saw that interpretation of, of King Kong for the first time, you know, Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is out at that time and he's an adventurer. So I was like, man, this is, I want to do this when I grow yeah. up here. Right. <laughs> and I want to do it in the fedora hat. Right. And he's, so he's the big daddy, King Kong. He basically started this whole mysterious large monster idea. He's basically just a giant gorilla, basically. Right. The idea for King Kong came to Marion C. Cooper after he had a dream of a giant gorilla attacking New York City. Ah. Yeah, I know. But honestly, if you look back to... That was 19... What? 1933, I think? Yes. If you look back to the 1925's The Lost World, a giant brontosaurus is attacking New York City. So it's not very far removed. You know, his right. dream, you know all his dream did was replace this brontosaurus uh, with a... Uh, giant gorilla perhaps he's more intimidated by primates than lizards yeah thunder lizards (laughs) that's what dinosaur means in latin ah (laughs) the more you know apparently there's a lost 1938 japanese sequel to king kong that is it's it's no longer around like the the copy was never preserved so that's a lost film that that went on but i don't know if that used any of the same kind of miniatures that did or or what but right but yeah i mean the the stuff in king kong the 1933 one going back to that that all of the stop motion and that ended up you know inspiring artists that like the the one of the greats like ray harryhausen ray harryhausen right yeah yep he's watching that as a kid obviously and thinking wow yeah here we go with that generational stuff again because yep then goes phil tippett who you mentioned in a previous show after that uh, rick baker yeah and all those guys right yeah so um yeah and there are some sequels or whatever offshoots of that uh like Son of Kong, uh, which I remember pretty regularly, and uh, right. Well, you got that other one too, that Mighty Joe Young. That kind of connects Young. to it, yeah. Right, and he wasn't quite as big, right? He was just like maybe like uh, twenty feet or something like that, if if you know what I mean, right? 
But it was a similar scenario where he had an affection for the girl. And I don't know if it was a romantic affection, but it was just more of a... I feel like I remember it being more of like a... I think they were kind of raised together in the same area, if right. I remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. And right. then they did a remake late, years later with like Charisse Theron. And so right, yeah, like yeah, which I never watched. No, I, never. I, I saw it I saw it just because I loved the original and, and it wasn't that great. But <laughs> I was just like, well, I'm going to see it. Um right. But yeah, yeah, you know, King Kong goes on. Like I said, you know, 1976, they they do another version of it, and instead of climbing the Empire State Building, he climbs the Twin Towers. Right. I remember yeah. that was a pretty famous movie poster because he's got one foot on each tower and he's like right. holding the girl in one hand and I think like a helicopter or something or something like right. that. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that poster. I but remember. The, the, the effects in the movie were never nearly <laughs> nowhere close to that good. No, 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 no. Looking back on that's what I mean. You look at the 1933 version, and you, I, I, me, I'm like, wow, that is really cool how they they pulled all of this stuff off and marrying the actual footage with the yeah. with the miniature footage and all of that. You, you there's look some at, there's some scaling discrepancies, but I guess right. what they and and that's kind of a famous film thing, but the scale of him out on Skull Island is a lot smaller than it is in New York City. But I guess what happened was, is by the time they got the story to New York City with the models and stuff, and they're like, well, you know, he's getting dwarfed by the buildings. And so we kind of have to scale him up. Right. That's in the original yeah. movie. Right. So we get to the 76 one, which was the first time I ever discovered what King Kong was. Right. And seeing that. And my mom is the one that rented it because she had a big affection for uh, for for Jeff Bridges at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember seeing that and being thrilled that I was able to see it as a kid because there was a lot of nice, nice views of uh, Jessica Lange in there soaking wet and <laughs> in King Kong's hand. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I get to watch this. Now, I'm not sure if you remember this particular scene I'm talking about where Jessica Lange, mm-hmm. the lovely Jessica Lange, is being <laughs> yeah. held under this waterfall and is getting soaking wet. And it's so lovely to see her and her <laughs> beautifulness. Yeah. But he holds her under this waterfall in the palm of his hand and then he lets her kind of fall into the water below and she swims around. She's kind of having fun. He dips his hand back in, picks her up in the palm of his hand and holds her up to near his face and then starts to blow on her <laughs> and yeah. at first she's kind of off put by it and making these noises like like what's going on but it has this very beautiful lush orchestrated music behind it and it starts to kind of swell and he blows on her like maybe five to seven times and within this moment of him doing this like probably by the second or third one she starts to kind of weirdly get into it and she starts making these moaning sounds i guess you could describe it as and it gets weirdly oddly awkwardly sexual (laughs) (laughs) and with the music behind it and everything it i mean it's really awkwardly funny that scene uh the prosthetic that they use in that scene the king kong head his cheeks actually expand out and as he's blowing on her in a very dizzy gillespie way (laughs) but uh it's really funny that scene and awkward and all of (laughs) that i mean i have a high affinity for this movie just because of what rick baker pulled off with the suits and everything they look good i mean they're not the greatest thing you've ever seen but 
I think he did a good job with what he was able to do with the suits at the time. Uh, some of the effects are dated, of course, but it's fun, and the, some of the forced perspective stuff really actually looks pretty good. And also, I'm coming from a place of nostalgia. This yeah. was the first time I ever even heard of King Kong and saw him on the screen, and not the big screen, but the small screen. But I really, I, I like it, and I still have a high affinity for it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Were you goddamn showing us pig but yeah, I really as a kid being blown away by all of that stuff, and then you see it as a kid, you go back and you re you rewatch it. It doesn't hold that same magic as the thirty three one does, which is weird because thirty three one's the second one I saw. This was the first one, and right. and what they what they did was it was mostly a guy in a suit the whole movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember. and he was doing the whole miniature things. They were they were basically aping, no pun intended, the the Godzilla effect where you or put a kaiju. guy yeah yeah you put a guy in a suit and you do it they called that suitmation is mm -hmm. what Japan ended up uh, terming that where you put the stunt man in the suit so at the time I'm sure it was really like wow you know King Kong is you know his eyes are the real actor's eyes inside of it his mouth is moving with the actors he's destroying jeeps and buildings and all of that stuff but Charles Grodin is absolutely amazing in this one. <laughs> He's amazing in everything. <laughs> He's never not amazing. Charles Grodin. <laughs> He's an American yeah. treasure. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing whatever to fear. That is an escape-proof cage certified by the New York City So then I think, I mean, if we're going to keep on the King Kong tip real quick through history... The next one is the one I mentioned with Linda Hamilton, King Kong Lives. King Kong Lives. America's biggest hero is back. And he is not happy. King Kong Lives. Love that. Love that really as a dumb. kid, too. <laughs> so dumb. I was like, more of this and everything? Yeah, I was. Yeah. And I, I mean, by the time I saw the second one of that, I was already a Terminator fan, too. So seeing Linda Hamilton, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. And she shows her boobs in it, too, which I remember that. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah, and King Kong has a pacemaker. Pacemaker. And, and there's, yeah, a, so, there's, the, a baby, there's a female Kong, and they, they have sex, and... Yeah, and they create Little Kong Little because yeah, Kong. It, the gist of it is King Kong doesn't die in the end of the '76 version. Although in the end of the '76 version he dies, but anyway, <laughs> they revive him somehow. They put take out in... his heart and they put in a gigantic pacemaker the size of like <laughs> Alabama or something. Right. <laughs> but then they shoot the ever living crap out of him. And King Kong lives. Yeah, at the end he he ends up because they're trying to capture him. He escapes from this facility and. And another explorer, the guy who you thought was was Kurt Russell, he right. he's on another island, and he finds another big ape, which is a female. And so when they get King Kong and her together, then they mate. King Kong ends up dying because his pacemaker keeps on malfunctioning through most of the film, and then he dies of a pacemaker heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like the most boring action adventure. <laughs> Your yeah. main threat has a heart has a heart problem. Stay away from the microwave, King Kong. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, I didn't see all that stuff, and I have not gone back to watch that one. I just remember mm. all of this. And then I think after that, we come all the way up to uh, the Peter Jackson King Kong. Peter Jackson King Kong. 
with King Kong as the effects in that movie is brilliant. Well, is and Andy Serkis as a motion yeah. capture actor is you know he's proven to be the, the best. Yeah. Everybody knows that, and and it's so good, so good. It's just but the story, t- you know. We, I, th- I remember us kind of because lo- you and I saw it together in the theater with uh, our former <laughs> yeah. uh, people, and yeah, you, you had Jester Kong with. I had Jester Kong. I had a little tiny, yeah, a little tiny plastic <laughs> ape that I brought with me, and he was the, instead of a king, he was a jester. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he watched it with us, but anyway, um, I think we enjoyed it and liked it, and remember talking highly of it afterwards. And then whenever it comes to DVD later on, and rewatch renting it again or something, just going, oh my god, this is t- <laughs> like, yeah, like the the CG overlay is really bad, you know. Really, yeah. The minute they get into the dinosaurs right. and the stampedes, right. And- totally apart if they would have cut all of that out and one it wouldn't have been a three-hour movie and two yeah i mean that movie is basically just peter jackson after the huge success of all three lord of the rings thing throwing his dick around and saying i'm gonna make a three-hour king kong movie and i'm gonna do everything i want to do with it all of that shit i didn't mind a no naomi watson as that character but i didn't didn't particularly like adrian brody in that role oh no it's horribly miscast and then putting jack black like what but the other you know who else was weird too was andy circus again he plays this he plays two roles he plays king kong (laughs) and he plays this weird popeye character (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) who gets his who gets eaten by the some of the bugs you know yeah but he spider thing he's like he's got this big bushy mustache and he has one eye closed like popeye and and i'm like (laughs) what the fuck is he doing (laughs) <laughs> like uh, that, that was his stipulation probably on coming back hey peter if you want me to play king kong i want to play popeye <laughs> yeah i'm gonna show robin williams that i can i got the goods <laughs> r.i.p you know i noticed too we've we discussed naomi watts and jessica lang but we totally missed Fay ray the original og Oh, right, yeah. Uh, she was the original hot blonde that King Kong was after, and uh, she was hachitachi, as, as Derek <laughs> might say. Right, she was. Yeah. yeah. She she was very in 20s, 30s style hachitachi. Right, hachitachi, that's it, sorry. Yeah. I was, little, I was close. Watch yourself, man. <laughs> but uh, uh, Faye Ray, she's, I mean, she's not quite as gifted up top, if you know what I mean, as uh, Jessica Lang, but she's good. Yeah, right. I wouldn't right. kick her out of bed for eating crackers. Well, yeah, yeah, and and it's um, it was a different kind of beauty back then, anyway. You know that. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, different beauty for different times, but like I say, she's still hotsy totsy in my book. But Faye Ray, I'm, I wonder if she got any flack or the people got any flack from the film because of some of the wardrobe she was wearing, because it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, he undresses her in that one scene. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and she's like trying to cover herself and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I and I think I had heard that that was pretty, oh, provocative. Yeah, I can only imagine it had to be. Yeah, yeah. And we still need to mention the most recent interpretation of King Kong before we get off the King Kong subject. Oh, right. You're right. You're right. I almost forgot. Skull Island. Monsters exist. No shit. <laughs> Although I, I I must say when I saw the the trailer I was very worried about what they were doing with the whole goofiness of um, 
of uh, John C. Riley, and he yeah, ended up not, too. not being too bad in it. I actually had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, he was, yeah. It's funny, there's actually a Steve Brule reference in the movie where... The heck you say? <laughs> no, no, totally. <laughs> John C. Riley's jacket says, good for your health on it. The aviator <laughs> jacket he has. Now, that's a, it's a combined reference, actually. It comes from both Steve Brule's For Your Health, and then it comes from the jacket that the hero wears in Akira. It shows a big pill on it, and it says, good for health, bad for education. Okay, right. So that's that's it's and that's why it kind of says good for your health, you know. Right, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> right. I'm Dr. Steve Brule, your greengrocer. For your health. And I don't really like. I'm not a big anime guy, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I got to delete our Twitter after you said that comment. Yeah, right. Jesus. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked all of the King Kong shit in it. And the other thing I really liked, and they had to do it to kind of match it up with this world that they're building. Yeah. But they moved it to the 70s, and the director had this hard on for like Apocalypse Now and stuff like that. And you can see a ton of homages to Apocalypse Now and that stuff. And I love Yeah, loved- yeah. It was supposed to be like uh, a Vietnam War. Yeah, right. it was pretty fun. I, and and I, w- I went into it just thinking, uh, eye rolling right. my eyes out. But uh, but <laughs> once it started, uh, I was like, eh, this is kind of entertaining, actually. But yeah, so that's the that's the granddaddy of, of all of them there. And, you know, respects. Respects to the Kong. Mm-hmm. I get, you know, it spawns a series of other stop motion movies like you you had mentioned uh right you got king kong arctic giant mighty joe young the beast from twenty thousand. that one okay so that is the next one i guess yeah. the next big one that you know everybody's kind of familiar with is the beast from twenty thousand fathoms for various authorities believe that buried somewhere under the polar ice cap in a state of suspended animation are the awesome creatures the leviathans that roamed the earth at the dawn of time and under certain conditions, a nuclear explosion could free one from his icy tomb. I don't no. think I've ever actually sat down and watched this. Have you? Yeah, I've seen it. So going back to what we were talking about in the King Kong thing, Ray Harryhausen as a kid watching the King Kong movie in 1933, wowed, saying, wow, this is amazing. By 1953, the Beast of the 20,000 Fathoms comes out, Ray Harryhausen is doing the effects for it, the stop-motion yeah. effects for it. Right. Who knows what waits for us in nature's no-man's land? So the Beast of 20,000 Fathoms, I haven't got to see it in quite a while, but from what I remember of the film, it, it's like, of course, you gotta go to the nuclear testing in, I think it's the Arctic Circle or something like that, yeah. and the explosion happens and it awakes a beast. Right that's been trapped in a thing of ice for like millions of years or something like that. And it's like an old dinosaur, basically. And it's a carnivorous, of course. They name it something that's it's not a real thing, I don't believe. Right. But it's carnivorous. It wrecks a few boats uh, on its journey to America, I believe. Uh, I think it wrecks a lighthouse somewhere, somewhere in Massachusetts, maybe. And, um, and then it ends up on the shores of Coney Island, and then there's a big final scene where they shoot something in its neck and it dies or something like that. But, like, the the whole fairground's destroyed. But, yeah, I mean, it was entertaining. And I know it came out in 53, so it was before the big baddie hit. Well, that but, premise um, sounds remarkably uh, familiar, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it does, but, but we're, we're but not the, get- But the Beast was there first. He had the story first. He was. He actually was. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it, I've, but I, you know, there's a lot of famous footage, and uh, the monster's kind of cool. He's kind of a like a almost like a giant iguana-looking thing, and uh, but more monstrous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was before that time where they actually started using real iguanas. Yeah, right. And making them look big by putting spines right. on them and stuff. You know, back around this time where I'm, you know, really into the King Kong thing, I'm. I get old enough to where I'm let loose on a video store. <laughs> I get to run around and see all these things, and I realize that it's not just King Kong anymore. You know, there's a plethora of <laughs> things to rent with all of these giant things, and this was one of the ones I remember renting be- just because of the poster. It has mm-hmm. the monster tearing down a-, a building and everything. So I remember watching this one, and it- I mean, it- it's not something that stayed with me as far as a lot of visuals from it, but I remember watching it. And yeah, but yeah, yeah that movie was apparently based on a Ray Bradbury uh, short story. Oh, okay. It's called the Foghorn. Okay. So this is going to lead us into the big kaiju movies that we. There's really two giant ones. <laughs> I get what you did there, slide devil. But, <laughs> <laughs> and but one is the king of them all, and we'll get to him later. This one that we're about to discuss is a ripoff of. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically uh, a Godzilla competitor. Uh. And uh, it comes from a co- totally different production house and came 10 years later uh, in uh, 1965. And his he was the giant turtle named Gamera. Oh, Gamera. Yeah. Will you ever win? Well, a few times he did. I, I haven't watched a lot of the Gamera movies, so I can't talk too much on them but i can definitely say i watched them and enjoy them even though the look right was kind of a little off-putting to me but i i could get into it enough to enjoy yeah well yeah i being the weirdo was <laughs> crazy for gamera and, so, and and at some points i almost preferred gamera to godzilla mm-hmm. and i would jump around but mm. okay well, so that, that that could be understandable because you're probably coming into these Gamera films like I'm gonna imagine early '80s, not the '70s. Yeah, 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 early '80s, late '70s. Right, yeah. and so by that time, a big chunk of the Godzilla movies had already been made. Oh yeah, so and I'd seen a bunch. So of them. you you you've watched a lot of the Godzilla films, which get a little silly sometimes, <laughs> but that propels you through, and then eventually it becomes like. I don't want to say rep- well it becomes like a Scooby-Doo thing where it gets repetitive the same thing right. monster gets caught and all of this stuff or he ends up hibernating or walking back into the sea or something so you see Gamera and it's a new monster it comes at it from a slightly different angle and everything so I can understand how that would be appealing to kind of jump into that at least for a little while because then he falls into the same trap too right well I mean it's hard not to in storytelling with any story right yeah but anyway I think we should mention that there are three important periods of the Gamera films uh, from three different production uh, houses. I'm going to try and take a stab at this. <laughs> okay. I think it's D- uh, uh, Dei? Dei? Dei films? <laughs> Sorry, Whatever. everyone. Tim's having a stroke right now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody turn the heater on. <laughs> I smell burning acorns. anyway uh that production house was the one who was the main rival to toho 
uh-huh. for Godzilla, and uh, they came out with Camera. It was called Camera the Giant Monster in 1965. And then in 1966, they did just like they did for Godzilla. They did an American version of it of the same movie where it was slightly re-edited, and it was called Camera the Invincible. Okay. And I I watched that as a kid, but I also just rewatched it very recently. And it's horrible. <laughs> it's just really really just silly. Oh, okay. So is that the main thing you've noticed about it this time was that it stood out as being really silly? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. There's this little kid you know, they try they always have a thing with kids and gamera mm-hmm. where there's a connection. Right. But this one didn't make any sense at all. The kid was <laughs> there's one point where Gamera's just fucking shit up. <laughs> And he goes, oh, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's just clumsy. He's just big and clumsy. And I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? He's killing thousands of people. <laughs> and then the best part is, is in the middle, there's like a, a bunch of kids at a, mm. at a fucking cl- nightclub with a live band. And they know that Gamera's out there. And they're, the band is playing a song. And it goes like this. It goes, Gamera. Gamera. And then it shows like all these like really bad like floor shots of these Japanese kids who have no rhythm at all. Like they cannot dance. It's fucking hilarious, right? Well, I mean, it probably doesn't help that they're probably like, hey, just dance and we are, well, later on, we're going to add Yeah, we'll throw the music in later, right? right? <laughs> so then it gets raided by the cops saying, Gamera's coming, Gamera's coming, you got to get out of here, you know? And uh, one of the kids jumps up on the stage and he's like, I say we keep in here and dancing. And everybody goes, yeah, dancing. Is it Kevin Bacon? And then the music starts up again. Gamera. <laughs> and then Raymond Burr comes in and says, damn kids. <laughs> Actually, all- it's even worse. Gamera walks in because he steps on all of them. The building gets knocked over hey, and they're all killed. Hey, he's, it shows just, it's- he's just clumsy now. <laughs> yeah, he's just a big clumsy oaf. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> the end goal is that they, uh, they have some ball that they have to attract them to on another. Pl- it's called like Plan Z or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they use, like, fire to uh, get him to this dome that they had made. Not No, a dish. It's like a dish on the ground. And it's, and, and it's, they, they get him to stand right in the middle of the dish, and it closes up on it uh, like a big ball in a sphere. So he, he's inside of the sphere. And then the ground pulls back around it, and it turns out that sphere is the tip of a rocket. Oh, and, they okay. sh- and they go and shoot him to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I have also recently watched um, the next one right after that is Gamera versus uh, Barugan, which is, he's like this chameleon monster that has the big, long, sticky tongue that freezes Gamera and solid, and, and Gamera's basically stuck frozen for half the movie, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. But then, he, and I, but I remember this one as a kid, loving the hell out of it. And he also shoots this rainbow beam that out of his spines on his back that basically destroys everything in his path. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing is, is, is like the more you know, the more you know, the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Reading rainbow. <laughs> I 
Yeah. So um, both Gamera and Bag- uh, uh, Baguron or Baguron, however you say it, they're quadruped monsters for the most point. Gamera mm-hmm. can get up on his hind legs every now and then, and okay. he does. And he when he walks, his he waves his hands simultaneously with the same arm that's moving. So he's like, it's hard. To, it looks really goofy. <laughs> but um, Baraguan is on all fours, and so it's a guy in a rubber suit. So for a guy to be on all fours, he has to be on his knees. <laughs> which means the monster's natural stance is to have his feet sticking out of the back and just kind of running around like a father would chase his little kid. <laughs> you know, that's how the monsters were running around in the movie until he has to go really fast and then he kind of sticks his butt way up in the air and gets up and it's kind of scoots on his feet like a crab wa- a walk <laughs> right. or something i don't know it's really funny <laughs> i barely i was barely paying attention to that one i was just kind of interested in other things going on but right it was right i'm not recommending it by any means <laughs> <laughs> well well i mean i'm sure it has its merits to the diehard fans that are out there for it but <laughs> oh i forgot to mention though that this is the uh shawa series the first series of movies is the Shawa series and it reigned from 1965 to 1980 and it's eight movies but technically it's like 7.3 because the eighth movie the company had already started going under and uh they they had to reuse a bunch of footage from old movies to make it to make the eighth movie and you can see a lot of and they just kind of said oh a lot of his past foes have come back to get him so <laughs> right. it's hilarious i mean you got to consider this is at a time where you can't go out and rent it to see that they're copying scenes from other movies you know and compare yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> you can't be like wait a second uh <laughs> the next one the foe is basically Hydra to godzilla and that's gaios and gaios is kind of like he's almost like a rodan like character but he has like this flat triangular forehead thing going on he's a like i said a pterodactyl that flies around and shoots a like a sonic wavelength out of his mouth that turns into a a ray beam or whatever okay so it's the only reason i mention that is because uh gaios is considered the number one foe of of gamera gamera right yeah gotcha there was the one that you said you had watched. Uh... Zegra, yeah. Well, I mean, I watched uh, Gamera versus Zegra probably around <laughs> uh, as a kid. So I had to have been around the age of probably 10 or 11, somewhere around there. Right, And right. really loving the look of the character of Zegra. Like the, the way the head looked and everything. Yeah. It was real sleek looking. Yeah, it was like a swordfish that could fly through the air. Right, know? right. But And then seeing a picture of it a few years ago and thinking, is that what I thought was cool as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. loving it as a kid. And the best I can remember, it's like an alien spaceship that goes into the water. And once it's attacked by Gamera, it turns into that thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like like. Gamera hits it with its breath or something because it's like an alien spaceship and it's from another planet. I think they're even called the people of this planet that's trying to invade. It's called Zegrins or something like that. And that's where Zegra gets its name. But it follows a lot of the same beats, like a Scooby-Doo thing we were talking about. Gamera is sort of defeated. I think it's struck by lightning, regains its power, and then comes back to fight and win. But God damn it, I love it when 
Gamera is fighting and he does that uh, spiral thing where the different uh, sparks are coming out of the different holes. He tucks all of his the, limbs in. The leg holes and he would he would spin. Yeah, I guess we don't really, we haven't gotten into who he is. Gamera the giant toodle with the big giant fangs that come out of the bottom of his mouth, which I always loved. I thought yeah, the way yeah. he looked. Yeah. And I liked the way he was, um, when he would look down and get kind of stereoscopic with his eyes. It was something very menacing about his head to me. Right. He had a very strong, chiseled brow line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that always kind of threw me was that, you know, there were certain angles where he would definitely look like, wow, yeah, he looks just like a turtle. But then there would be other angles where they'd do something, and he'd look very Godzilla kind of faux-ish, like a villain. Right. Yeah. And so I would always say, like, is, is he a turtle or is he you not? Know, he's definitely a turtle. But, right, uh, right. I think he got more menacing looking as the series went on. So. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I remember uh, loving the way he flew, too, even though his mouth would be a gape. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that would bug me when his mouth is open, but I love the way he flew. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, he had two ways of flying, like you said. Right. One was to retract the rear legs and fire would come out because he was a fire breather. Right. He would blow fireballs out of his mouth, mm-hmm. and he would fly kind of like Superman. Right, with his, yeah. With his front arms out and twisting. <laughs> yep. And he was kind of like a jet chasing yeah. other, other, yeah. Oh, and I and love that, that. I love the way the flames, yeah, me too. The flames would come out. I was like, fuck, that's so fucking cool. But when he did the, everything, like a turtle, right. like a scared turtle, he would retract yeah. his head and tail and legs. Mm-hmm. Fire would come out of the four leg holes, and then he would start to rotate. Right. And he would become like, almost like a giant 60-meter flying saucer in a way. Right, with a spin. <laughs> yeah, even as a kid, I was like, this is dumb. I don't like <laughs> yeah. this. I never liked it right. when Cameron did Yeah, that. You, you keep waiting for Mario to come in and be like, bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right, right. Yeah, like I said, I don't remember a whole lot, just bits and pieces of that uh, Gamera versus Zegra movie, but I do remember that at the end, as he's defeating him, he picks up something and starts playing on the on something of Zegra and playing his theme, yeah. like a xylophone or something. <laughs> but yeah, I remember getting that, uh, like being able to record that movie off of TV on a video cassette and watching yeah. it over and right. over and over again. <laughs> right, right. Like so incessantly that my mom would come back in the room and be like, is that the one you were just watching? Turn that shit off. I'm like, I don't want to. She'd be like, let's watch something good. Let's get something with Jeff Bridges in it, like against all odds. <laughs> I don't want to, mom. Yeah, so, you know, and the, you know the, he fights his different foes all the way through, but he's reborn uh, in the Heisei series, and it runs from 95 to 99, and it's three movies. Okay. And I recently watched the first one. A couple nights ago, I watched uh, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. That's the first of the three. I wanted to see the third one because I know I had seen the third one once before without subtitles or dubbing. It was a my friend had ha- a friend of mine had had 
a mm-hmm. bunch of old Godzilla movies. Oh, wow. Or oh, they were the 90s Godzilla movies that hadn't been released in America yet. Right. So they weren't dubbed and they weren't subtitled. And cool. I just kind of sat there and watched it. Right. Yeah. You couldn't do anything. Else. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was back in the day where, I mean, it's not like today where you can go and get a DVD or a Blu-ray with all the extras and the subtitles right. and all of the that shit all together in one big, huge package. Right. This was the back in the old days. This was VHS still. Right. VHS days, you couldn't do that. So you had to watch whatever was on there. So if it was no subtitles, if you were getting it from like Japan or something like that, right. they're of course not going to subtitle it right. because they speak the language. And so you just have to sit there and watch it. If you don't know the language, you're just enjoying the cinematography and all of the effects and all of that stuff. Yeah. Which is, right. you know, which is good in a way. So I kind of remember seeing Gamera 3 about 20 years ago. The Gamera 3 of the Heisei period, which would have been the one that came out in 99. So it was almost when it was new. Mm, yeah. And there's a mix of CG and stuff, and it's the, the technology had come way up, and I was just like, whoa, this is pretty badass. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you know, then. That's what I thought when I was, I would have been about 26, 27 years old at the time. But right. I, it wasn't available for me to get this time. I could only get this first one. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And so it was definitely modernized. He kind of looked a little funky, but Gaius was his, again, his foe in that. And there was, it started off with like three of them and they were slowly getting bigger, but two of them got killed off. So then it was one that only one gets to be full size and they fight. Okay. And it looked okay. It was pretty fun. It wasn't, I, I was, I was entertained, but it, I mean, it wasn't awesome, but. Right. Well, hey, it's always a plus when you're not wor- looking at your watch and like, right, over? right. Jeez. It seemed like the they were definitely a chronological story. Oh, okay. So there was an the evolution. St- so I did, yeah stuff I did, in this one affects the right. applied to the next one. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So then there's one more after that, which I'm really curious to see. And it was in the Millennium series. There's only one, and it's called uh, oh, it's called Gamera the Brave. And that was 2006. So that's pretty new, pretty recent. Right. And when I was a little kid, uh, I, I grew up in uh, Hudson Valley, New York area. There was streams and ponds all over my neighborhood and stuff. And kind of the I lived in the rural area. Like the, I found a baby snapping turtle. Oh, really? And I, wow. I brought it home. It was only two and a half inches long. Oh, okay. It was a tiny little guy. And he would do, and I, that was part of the reason I brought it home because of Gamera. And it had the long tail, but it was black. You know, it was like a black color. And um, I had it in an old cool, I found a Cool Whip container right next to where I found him. And I probably even named him Gamera for all I know. I, I, I almost can guarantee that, right? Right. So I would, I had a fish tank at my house, and, 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 and I kept the Cool Whip thing right next to it. And I put water in it and little rocks and stuff like that for him to live in there, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I come home from school every day. He's like super stoked to see my little camera. And every time I go to the Cool Whip thing, I'm like, he's gone. Where the fuck he go? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't find him. Where is he? Oh, God. <laughs> and I would find him, like, in different places in the kitchen or the dining room. Like, he had, I shit you not, he would climb out of the Cool Whip thing and just kind of throw himself off the little <laughs> end table we had on the ground and he would get all dr- dr- kind of dried up and stuck up in his shell and covered in dust bunnies <laughs> right 
And so I was like, oh, my God, he's dead, you know? <laughs> oh, no. And I put him back in the water, and as soon as he did, you could see his skin almost come back to, like, absorb the water. Right. And then his eyes would open up, and he'd pull, pull, his head would come out of the shell. Because <laughs> right. he was all retracted, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like Gamera would. <laughs> right. So after about three days of this, or two days of this, I can't remember exactly, my mom goes, you're taking this thing back to the pond. And I'm like, Why? What's the problem? And she takes the little wire fish net catcher, you know, the fish catcher net we had. Uh-huh. And she takes the handle end of it and sticks it in front of his face. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, <laughs> the thing just kind of looks at it, and then in half a blink of an eye, it just reached out and went, yank, and just <laughs> latched onto the thing with its with its big hook beak in its mouth. Right. And just, she's like, I can't see. She's kind of jiggling it for a few seconds until it finally breaks loose and she goes that's why you're taking it back <laughs> right. and I go okay okay right you win <laughs> and I brought it back to the to the to the pond and let it go no but little did you know that as you turned around jets <laughs> propelled from the back part of where his feet yeah, were right. that's how we got off to the end table right. so I think that's going to close it out for our big hulking <laughs> handsome flying turtle (laughs) (laughs) but no matter what you think there were actually people out there as we've just talked about studios would ape the idea no pun intended of the godzilla franchise and use their own monsters and a lot of them did come from asia mostly japan but some were from korea and uh, right Ireland he somehow jumped on board some in certain parts. <laughs> yeah, so and and Amsterdam too. Uh so yeah, we'll start with Den- Denmark and um they did a movie called Reptilicus. Reptilicus approaching the city. Repeat. Reptilicus approaching the city. This is Grayson. All units. My only association with this movie is through uh, Mystery <laughs> Science Theater 3000, um, and they did a very great rendition of that uh, movie. Right. You know, I pretty much got the gist of the movie. Uh, you know, yeah. a piece of an animal gets dug up, and then it starts to regenerate itself and right. becomes this giant monster during a storm. Which is an inkling of a actually a kind of cool idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, the budget isn't there to match the, how cool the idea could be. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> this monster is R-worded. <laughs> it sure is, Derek. <laughs> yeah, it kind of has that sea serpenty of yeah. lore look to it, where it's like a, a long, snaky, snaky scale snake. <laughs> With legs or whatever. Right, uh, And a dragon face. And a dragon face, yeah. (laughs) A dragon, a dragon. I swear I saw a dragon. His tail... So, yeah, I mean, that's a movie worth, I think, watching on Mystery Science Theater 3000, if you're a fan of that show. Oh, yeah. Because it's funny, and uh, the movie's bad enough that I don't know if I could get through it without it, but... Right. Because... There are movies out there that my my good friend Tim here has tried to get through, like Ape. 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 B, ten tons of animal fury leap from the screen. Which is another one. <laughs> yeah, I did try to. Uh, that's a that's a, a giant ape movie from Korea. 
I didn't get to see it. Here, here's how this whole thing came about. I think I found or you found an article that stated that this was like widely known as one of the worst, most unwatchable movies. Yes, and, right. And that I'm like, and, challenge accepted. <laughs> and Tim took that challenge. And then I waited to hear from him. And did you make it through it? No, I got like... <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it was on you. It's on YouTube, so you can attempt right. it if you're by yourself. You know, if you're uh, brave. But uh, I think it was. It's like at least ninety minutes, and I made it halfway through, like forty-five minutes, and I'm just like, this is just. <laughs> it's like a collage of footage. There's right. no story happening at all. Right. It's just and it's just random, and the cuts are so random in it that it. There's literally no beginning, middle, or end. It's just, <laughs> it's an acid trip. But anyway, so that's another one. And then um, another uh, strange one that also comes from Europe, it comes from Ireland, <laughs> is Gorgo. No motion picture of our time has ever unleashed shocked spectacle of such scope and realism as up from the depths of prehistoric mystery rages, Gorgo. I think Mystery Science Theater has done this one as well. McRoar! Oh, growl! <laughs> but at the same time, I, I do remember watching this as a kid. Yeah, I do too. Because I kind of got tricked by the whole... Look, the concept is, is this creature gets caught off of the shore of Ireland by fishermen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this one guy's <laughs> kind of like in uh, King Kong. He's wanting to prosper off of it, so he brings it to London. To sell tickets to see it and it's not that right. it's not really that big the, the creature right. it because it, it, it's it's awakened again this is another one that's awakened by like a volcano eruption yeah that's, that's right that's, that's what right. starts the whole thing yeah right. yeah yeah it's, i remember seeing this uh, sorry i i'm uh, seeing this on a, a video shelf somewhere in some video store and thinking oh my god giant monsters and i got it and i took it <laughs> home and then i was like this is amazing but the situation with gorgo is is you get him in this pen and I'm like, wow, this thing, the movie's not even like 10 minutes in and it's already trapped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's more like 20 minutes, but still. So right. what it ends up being is it ends up being the baby and the mama comes to get right. it. And the mama is full Godzilla size. Right. And then you're like, oh, I get it. There's the real threat yep. here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's trashing up london town you know merry old london town so you're, what you're essentially saying tim is that they got you with their clever writing they did they really did <laughs> gorgo check and mate so i mean if you're into the whole kaiju thing and you're not like a snobbish has to be japanese go check it out it's it's actually okay it's not horrible no no not at all i think it's one of those things that if you're an appreciator of these giant monster movies you should check this out because there is a lot to yeah, like yeah yeah i mean those fans out there of the deadliest catch this is the mixture of two giant monsters and the deadliest <laughs> catch <laughs> and that's yeah that's worth it's, that's worth, it's worth uh, its weight in irish stew a delicious irish stew <laughs> <laughs> The next one I want to talk about, uh, we're going to go back over to the motherland of kaiju, and that's Japan. And they had uh, they had one. This was a pretty strange one. <laughs> strange in Japanese cinema, in a way. Now, there's there, there, it comes from an offshoot of another a movie that came out a year ahead of it. Uh, did you like that one? 
I never saw that movie, oh. and I don't know anything about it. And I only know about this movie because of the research I did on War of the Gargantuas. We need your help. Sir, you've studied giant animals. You had one in captivity, didn't you? Yes, that was five years ago. You know, uh, he might have been a young species of a gargantua. <laughs> seen War of the Gargantuas as a kid. Oh, okay. And um, I have a pretty strong memory of it. They look like these giant Bigfoot creatures, but what they actually are is they're cloned radioactive versions of Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> is this Ed Wood? So apparently there is a Frankenstein's monster movie that came out a year before this War of the Gargantuas. I've never heard of it or seen it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Jesus I guess at the end of that movie, maybe Frankenstein's monster gets his hand cut off. Oops. And then a year later in 1966, the... They, they can rebuild him? They have the technology? <laughs> yeah, they regenerate the two gargantuas. Bionic Frankenstein. <laughs> right. And the, basically the plot, the struggle in this story, uh, one gargantua is nice and friendly and raised by the uh, society. I don't fucking know. Like a... <laughs> scientists mm. somehow and then the other one is lost in this tiny island of japan oh my god <laughs> so um yeah and they end up fighting each other in the streets of tokyo and Whoa. buildings get crumbled just like any good <laughs> kaiju movie so right unique Very yeah nice. i don't know that one's you know Take it as you want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably pretty bad as far as I remember. Yeah. But um, I wonder if sci-fi can get the rights to it. I, yeah, I guarantee you they can. Or at least Mystery Science Theater or something. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised as many episodes as there are as MST3K um, that they probably did this one at some point. Right. Yeah, probably. And then the next one I want to talk about is another one that's up from the same era, the 60s, when they were just shooting these kaiju movies out like a motherfucker <laughs> right and it's one i remember watching a lot and really thinking it was cool mm -hmm. uh, was uh, king <laughs> kong escapes okay yeah. king kong escapes and meets his greatest foe the kong of steel a gargantuan duel unmatched by any battle in history this one is like they have him trapped or some shit like that and they make a mecha king kong <laughs> right this is not american this is japanese right yeah <laughs> and uh he escapes of course and then they gotta unleash the mecha king kong to fight him <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, and they have this big ass fight but there's also dinosaur fights and shit like that too and other parts of it i don't remember too much of it i just you know when you have faint memories of a movie and it makes your your internal little heart smile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that I loved it as a kid. As opposed to your external baboon heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The external gives you power. The inside feels love. <laughs> One of my Jarvis 500 series. <laughs> right. <laughs> like King Kong lives. You know, Kong it makes it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never, I never got to see this one, and uh, I don't know how I missed it because I loved everything King Kong. How did you see it? Did you like rent it, or did you see it on? Um... You know, the thing is, is I saw most of these on on cable, okay, on TV, right? Yeah, I, 
I was, uh, I've always been a night owl myself. I've always stayed up late and I didn't never really need a lot of sleep. So I would seek this stuff out as a kid. I'd stay up late watching like ABC. Yeah. All of those things. The movie channel had that one dude, that Joe Bob Briggs. Right. Drive-in theater. I'm Joe Bob Briggs. Come see me every Friday night at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock Central Time right here on the movie channel. But I didn't even watch that shit, but oh, I remember that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it was Captain USA before that, too. Right, yeah. Now, Commander USA! Whoa, hey there. Commander USA here, soaring superhero. Oh, yeah, oh. USA up all night with Gilbert Gottfried and that blonde with the big boots. Right. Saranda. Right, oh, and Elvira God. was still pretty big back oh, then. Oh, my God, I loved Elvira. I watched her all the time. Until next time, darling. Unpleasant dreams. Who are we ready for now, buddy? Who's the big guy? Yeah. If you're not talking about Gumby, then I'm pretty goddamn sure you're talking about the big guy Godzilla. King of the monsters. Yes, the Daniel Day-Lewis of kaiju, I would say. Anyway, um... Yeah, he is king of the monsters, though. Yeah. Well, he was also called that mm-hmm. in the American release back in the 50s, too. But right. we'll, before we get to that, we should start with the very original. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess we should talk about, you know, this guy is massive, right? Not only in size, right. but in our hearts. That's right. <laughs> Both in Japan and in America, right? Yep. Worldwide. Uh, he's He really is king of the monsters. He really uh, is. Yeah. I mean, it starts in uh, 19... 19- 54, mm-hmm. I believe. 54. Yeah, with uh, the original uh, Gojira, which obviously translates to Godzilla. And, Correct, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but it was a full, that was a fully Japanese movie. And I see it as basically Japanese reflecting on the evils of its own imperialism and, and, and the consequences of Japanese imperialism, which was Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Correct. So Japan had gotten pretty fucking powerful yeah. leading into World War II, and they were they had treated the Chinese like complete dog shit, and as they occupied them and all that stuff. And America comes over, and if they have a nasty ass war, the Pacific War is way worse than the as far as brutality than the uh, than the uh, European War, and that's mainly because of that kamikaze spirit of uh, and and not just kamikaze, but the samurai spirit of yeah. the soldiers because. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember this in history, that even though the emperor surrendered, giving up Imperial Japan, the Japanese military said, fuck you, emperor. Okay. (laughs) We're still fighting on. You know, the bombs hit. The way I've always heard it interpreted is that basically this movie is kind of a reflection of Japan's greediness and an imperial kind of uh, attitude and shittiness towards others. Right. This is what happens. Right. Yeah. It's the director's way of actually showing his internal scars. Yeah. Of uh, what had happened to the Japanese people, but in a artistic way. Yeah. To where he's not beating you over the head with this heavy subject. I mean, the monster is the escapism part of the movie so you can relax right. and not be beat over the head with the subtext. But the subtext definitely is there if you're looking for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, he is obviously a creature of radiation, which is emitted by a nuclear bomb, right? Right. And his skin texture and uh, the kind of dark color—he's technically he's black in the original movies, I think. Oh. Yeah. 
the green doesn't come till later but um okay the, anyway that texture of his skin is supposed to represent the, the burning uh, burning the burned skin. kimonos yeah. and 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 materials that got burned into people's skins under the flash you know radiation of the bombs right that's one thing and then of course the way he destroys buildings i think are, and and all that stuff it, it's very similar as well, and just this explosive power. Right, yeah, there's no escaping Godzilla. There's no escaping his size. Right. Just like you can't escape the bomb, Yeah. which is the subtext there. Right, right. And so he's he's putting that out there. There, you. The only thing you can do is you know about it, you face it, you can hope for the best and hope that, you know, when everything's done, you're still standing. Yeah. But the director, Ishara Honda, of the original Gojira from 1954, he wanted, you can tell, he wanted in this movie to not have an open-ended thing. He wasn't going for some freaking franchise or anything like that. Right, right, right. He was saying, basically, here's the threat. This is what it represents. Now let's kind of move forward. And that's the end. Monsters the monster gone. is destroyed. And that's the summation, for, in my view anyway, of this film, is that he's making a statement. This movie is like his mission statement, and he's summing it up with that. Right. The death of it. Right. You know, this is, it ends with a period, not a question mark. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think I've seen the unedited one once before a long time. You know, like when it first came available, maybe 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely saw it when they released the special edition DVD that had the original Gojira as seen in 54. Right, okay. Not yeah. that cut up. And, uh, and it was subtitled, not dubbed. Right, yeah. Which, so it, it, as, it, as you said, it's the best way to watch that because it, yeah. Yeah, it takes any of the campiness, which there's not a lot of camp in the original at all, but it takes that out right. if you're watching in subtitles. Well, I mean, not not takes it out, but as the movies go on, they become more campy. They become more silly and stuff like that. The dubs make it even more silly. So when you are able to turn on those subtitles and watch them without all of the crazy voices that go along with the dub, it it, it's, it, yeah. it grounds it a little bit more. Hey there, folks. We just wanted to let you know in case you wanted to reach out and have any questions for us or even wanted to answer some of the questions that we post to each other during the show – you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at at TFTFP Podcast. Yes. Sometimes you might want to use Twitter instead. Yes. And, it, and if that's the case, mm-hmm. you go to uh, the address there. It's a little different. It's Podcast TFTFP. Hey, if you want to send us a shiny old email, you can do that at TFTFP Podcast at gmail.com that is beyond the truth my friend mm. yeah there's the truth and then you can go beyond it that's what we just did <laughs> we went beyond the truth so let's say you're looking for a little more content from us let's say mm. you have an interest and you're willing to put down a little bit of tiny bit of jack for it yes yes we have a patreon page we sure do and the link for that page will be down below there in the description right or you can just use your lazy little fingers there to type it into google yeah that's a good idea whatever you want yeah and do us all a favor and like subscribe and review us because it helps us out and i mean as for the american version of gojira it's such a bastardized version right which comes two years later but we'll before we get to 
Godzilla King of the Monsters, there is a sequel to Gojira, which is... Godzilla Raids Again, or in the American version when it was released for a short while, it was called Gigantus the Fire Monster. Here's motion picture adventure and excitement to stagger the imagination. The fantastic fire monsters raging out of the flaming bowels of hell. Mighty Gigantus crushing whole cities in its wrath. Released the, the following year, so in 55 it was released. Now, I did some looking around online, and I couldn't really find whether Godzilla fans either forgot about this thing, or there's not a lot about it, whether it's love or hate from Godzilla fans that I looked into. I mean, it's mentioned here and there, yeah, but it's not really widely mentioned. It's maybe one that kind of fell in the cracks or everything, but I watched it the other night for the first time, and I, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. And uh, it's a continuation of the first one, but it's not, of course, the monster from the first movie. It's not original Godzilla. It's a new Godzilla on a new island, and that's where we, we, we find the new monster. Right. It's on this new island, and we meet the two kind of people we're going to be following in the story, and it's these two pilots that work for a fishing company that basically go out in their planes, fly around and try to find tuna or something like that to radio back to tell the boats where to go for the best fishing and stuff like that. So they get stuck on this island at one point, uh-huh. and there happens to be another monster there with him too. And for the love of me, I cannot remember his name now. Garris. And Garris, yes, right, right, and Garris. So these two pilots who are stuck on the silence see Godzilla and Ngaris start to engage in a fight. And they're watching this whole thing go down. And, and the suit work, there was one thing I was talking to you about off transmission. Yeah. And it, it has to do with the agile movement that Ngaris has in this movie. Uh, but one thing I did find online, just to go back for a second, is that there was criticism that Godzilla doesn't look the same in this movie. Yeah. And obviously he's not supposed to look the same. It's a different Godzilla. I mean, there are different looking sharks out there. Some of them look the same and have the same similarities, but they look the same. Right, right. And this one definitely doesn't have the articulation that the original movie had from 1954. Right, right. But, but it's still the Godzilla everyone knows and loves. And so... Basically, to get back to this agile movement that I was talking about with Angaris. Yeah. At first, I thought it was stop motion because it gets really agile. It's on all fours, but it's super agile. And I was like, wow, this is really good for the time. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, for 1955. Right, right, exactly. And so this one feels a little light. Not that it's super campy light, it's not that. It's just that I. it's not like the first one where it's wearing its atrocities on its sleeve and the horrors that everyone went through in the subtext anyway. This one does that in a different way, in my opinion, because by 1955, basically, the Japan, any military and army and stuff that they had by that time was kaput because after Hiroshima bomb and all of that stuff went off, they didn't really have a lot of leverage anymore after that. So they were done as far as military-wise. Right. So so on one side of them, they have Russia. On the other side of them, they have America, which we even had areas of, of, of military bases. We, st- we still have 
military bases in Japan. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. But by that yeah. time, by 1955, they already had military bases from America on them. So there's uh, two both sides of them. They're surrounded by people who's going to threaten to kick their ass. And that's a representation, I think, of these two beasts. The subtext. Yeah. Right. It's Cold War. Right. And, and, and so... By that time in the late 50s, America started doing testing in their waters with different weapons and stuff. So that starts dissipating a lot of the fish life that they have there that they live off of and thrive off of. So they have to start going further out to find fishing life to sustain their area and thrive and all of that stuff. And so that's a big part right. of the uh, subtext in this, too, because. Oh, yeah. So there's, yeah. There's always, a, it seems like there's always a message in these early movies. Right. And like I said, I, I had never watched this film, and this was the first time seeing it. I had a really good time with it. I thought it was, it's definitely lighter than the first film, Gojiro from 54. It's not as burdened with this. Uh, I mean, it has subtext, but not as burdened with them. They're having a little bit more fun with them. I think they see what's going on and the potential of this character and, and what it can uh-huh. bring you know. Okay. But at the end, they get him in this valley of mountains, and they're... They have snow on top of him. They start shooting at the snow, and they encapsulate him in this. So he's locked in this valley of mountains, and snow falls on him. And that's pretty much how they capture him. And he goes into, I guess, hibernation until the next film. But uh, that's how they deal with it in this one. It's it's a lot more... It, it, I mean, the last film was not open-ended. This one is definitely open-ended. Because I think they see what they have right. uh, potential for maybe a franchise yeah right right well and the uh, one of the things to note is that it is also the second black and white godzilla film correct to be honest i've actually i don't i've never seen this one right this is i I, I hadn't either until just the other night Uh, yeah there's i've seen a lot of godzilla movies in my days and 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 this is one of the ones i really need to see my i definitely recommend it i would seek it out so actually, yeah, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the American adaptation of the original Gojira, comes a year after Gigantus. So basically that is a re-editing of the original movie, but then they stick in Raymond Burr in different spots, basically. <laughs> this is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. And it's weird because it's obviously two years later, so mm-hmm. he can't interact with any of the original right. cast. Yeah. So he's just this awkward, weird cut. Yeah. Where Ray- yeah. Raymond Burr's like doing his best, <laughs> like, hi, I'm really here. <laughs> okay, Raymond Burr. <laughs> you keep talking into that microphone. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. And funny enough, the first big sequel to these three kind of origins movies, I guess you'd say, is King Kong vs. Godzilla. Right. But nothing, nobody can stop the great showdown when King Kong and Godzilla meet to fight for survival of the fittest. There's a history to this thing, too. Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The, the you know Godzilla at the time was, of course, more popular because he'd had more movies at the time, especially in Japan, but even in America. Mm-hmm. So apparently, Willem O'Brien, or William O'Brien, who did the uh, stop-motion animation for the Kong in the original feature in 33, wrote a script where he wanted Kong to come back, and his was King Kong versus Frankenstein. Oh, he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. 
Sony wanted it to take place in San Francisco of all places for some reason. Anyway, he went to RKO to try to get this made. RKO was kind of dra dragging their feet and other companies were a little bit standoffish because stop motion animation at the time was really tedious and expensive and all of that stuff. So he shopped it around forever, ended up realizing that maybe Universal might have complete rights to to the Frankenstein character yeah. which of course they didn't that was just that they had the rights to the flat head and the way the character looked basically uh, bolts in the neck and all of that stuff so but they changed the name he rewrote the script to where it wasn't Frankenstein and then realized later on in years that it wasn't that they had the rights to that character so then they changed it back and by that time he couldn't find any studio that wanted to do it he ended up going to toho which was the japanese studio that did godzilla yeah right they of course love the idea they've been wanting to make a king kong movie anyway so they said hey let's change this versus character in here to godzilla and then have king kong versus godzilla so then that's how they got to do it of course they got rid of the whole stop motion animation thing because they were like we'll just put someone in the suit yeah and of course the script was rewritten but that's how we get king kong versus godzilla but you know i remember even thinking as a kid that <laughs> the got the the suit for king kong oh right yeah is just awful it is it looks like a paper mache face and, <laughs> right and, uh, it does he's like very like his know. midsection's too big round yeah he's round exactly yeah no and so i mean that's a testament to how good those effects were back in 1933 the stop uh, motion animation for the king kong how good it looked and everything so you see that and i i would have loved to have seen what they would have done with stop motion even with godzilla character because again you see how uh, king kong looks and it's, it's pretty bad yeah no i think i felt that way even as a five-year-old <laughs> right yeah no i know <laughs> yeah i, I yeah. know i it's... right off the bat when i compared i was like i remember watching king kong versus godzilla and thinking king kong looks stupid compared to the 1933 <laughs> right. king. yeah it was so much better king kong yeah it was just so weird that that jump in years and how bad it looked but again that's just them going for a costume because godzilla was a costume just made things easier probably because they knew how to do the costume stuff yeah right but hey whatever i mean as long as you get those two icons battling it out on screen i mean what else can you ask for really well, like you know puts asses in the seat right? that's right <laughs> so but this the stop motion animation was just so beautiful to see a guy in a suit yeah, it gets a little clunky looking and everything. And, and I mean, I don't think it was ever really done any better until you get to the CGI stuff. Oh, yeah, and, you know, yeah. where Peter Jackson started that whole thing. And, yeah, well, the, and they address anatomy. Right. With, uh, the arm extension things. Uh, so he can kind of properly posture like a, a true gorilla would. Right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway. Um, well, well, before we leave the topic, we have to address the myth that's out there about king kong versus godzilla which is that there were two ending shot one with king kong winning one with godzilla winning that is inaccurate there's only one ending it's basically they're fighting at the end they both go off a cliff uh king kong is the one that's seen resurfacing and you don't see godzilla resurface again so you just assume king kong is the winner but they allude to godzilla still being alive so but anyway we, we've jumped around this film enough so yeah Mothra versus Godzilla is another one. People, I don't understand. Maybe is Mothra big in Japan? Because I think it's a stupid <laughs> concept. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, it has to be pretty big in Japan, I would imagine, for him to go on as long as he has. 
yeah last thing he's gonna he's in a lot of the 90s redos and all that stuff mm-hmm. and and or she is right and this 2019 movie right we can only cross American our fingers movie. and hope that they have those two little fairy women that sing. Yeah. And- <laughs> I guarantee you they will. I guarantee you they will. Well, they, they were creepy, eerie little. <laughs> Why were they so little? <laughs> What's the point of that? I don't get it. So, yeah, there's a, there's a list. Uh, we probably, be, you know, before we get too crazy... And jumping down, there are literally 35 different Godzilla movies. Yeah. So we're not going to list them all off. There's just too many. Okay. So, but the next one I do have to say something about. It's Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Because as we mentioned in the Gamera movies, Ghidra is basically the number one foe to uh, Godzilla. He's so fucking cool, yeah, right. He's basically like a, a dragon. He's got a very Asian dragon style heads yeah. on the on the three heads. Mm-hmm. He's got no arms. He's more of a <laughs> all wings and two feet and three heads. Right. <laughs> and it has and the heads. <laughs> if you remember, the heads just kind of randomly around. flew around on wires <laughs> with no right. control. Yeah, and so and the, so the 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 like it was like this almost like electro like a lightning beams that would shoot out and make yeah. that that kind of ringing mm-hmm. noise when it would come flight and <laughs> blow stuff up. And yeah. Here, here's the thing is when you're a kid and you're watching that, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You're not coming from it from the adult of after you've seen a ton of films, especially if you're a big film buff, you've seen good films and bad films and you're able to dissect and, and see all of the flaws in it. You go back and you watch these things and you say, Oh wow, that's really horrible. But when you're a kid and you see that you're like, yeah. Oh my God, it's so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So when you see him in all of the CGI glory, you're like, oh, my yeah, God, right. it's the same feeling I had as a kid. He's I know, so man. And, cool. and then you got Rodan and Mothra and King Ghidra. Yeah. And, and, and Godzilla. It's just fucking amazing. And that's that thing that you see it as a kid. You're not seeing the strings or the bendy neck or anything. You're seeing right. a freaking right, monster right. up there. And then, you know, Warner's putting uh, hundreds of millions of dollars behind this creature that you used to love as a kid. And now yeah. you're seeing him with full articulation and special right. effects. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's what I saw 30 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> right. He doesn't he hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a like a string of movies and, and and the progression here it starts just getting nuttier and nuttier <laughs> so um i'm gonna jump down to uh ibra horror of the deep that was the one with the giant lobster <laughs> and they end up playing like uh you know with a big rock they're like badmintoning it this big rock back and forth that's the one thing i remember about the movie they're, but they're like standing in the ocean or whatever it <laughs> was bigfoot there too yeah. <laughs> with wild boy out of the great northwest comes the legendary bigfoot yeah and uh you know after that is son of godzilla we have the little guy and he has to stand up for himself and <laughs> another interesting one is uh, all monsters attack and that also has a young Godzilla. He he has a funky name. Oh, Manila. It's M I N I L L A. 
So take that spelling and say it however you want, audience. Yeah, basically it's about this kid who's getting bullied at school or whatever, and he needs to learn to stand up for himself and all this garbage. Ends up in a fantasy world where he's on Monster Island, and he's suddenly somehow befriended Manila, who's the son of Godzilla, just like from two movies earlier. But they've kind of improved the suit a little bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. The eyes are very dead, and... Uh, the mouth doesn't move, so it's. I guess they're talking telepathically or something. I don't know. <laughs> and his voice is Manila's. Manila's voice. I don't know how to say that it's right. The goddamn son of Godzilla's name, but it's spelt Manila. Yeah, we're just Manila. gonna. We're just gonna say Godzuki. Manila has to go with his dad and defend himself against somebody bullying him and he can't he's too young to make fire and all this stuff and he can only blow smoke rings out of his mouth <laughs> yeah 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 i remember that and yeah. god's <laughs> and godzilla is upset with him so he steps on his tail and then sure enough the fire comes flying out of his mouth there's nothing cooler to me than godzilla's yell Oh yeah, totally. Iconic. It's iconic. It, it's... I don't know what it is about that. Yeah. But awesome. and they repeat the living shit out of them through these movies. It right. just goes over and over and over. It's on like a loop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <That> noise. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> yeah. But and anyway, e- even though it's on a loop, you still don't get sick of it. It's like, god damn it, it's so fucking. Cool. I know. I know. But I just thought that one was really funny and weird. Oh, uh, yeah. The next one that came out was Godzilla versus, I want to say it's Hedorah. Which is the smog monster. Right, from San Francisco. I have a little <laughs> story about that. So I have, I used to have, when I was a kid, I had a, a, a Shogun Warriors Godzilla toy who was about two foot tall. And then I had the accompanying Rodan toy. So wheat who had these big giant like two and a half foot wings and he was probably about he was a little shorter than Godzilla but about the same scale Mm -hmm. and I also had a xenomorph from Alien that was about the same height (laughs) and extremely well detailed the Godzilla and Rodan were kind of moderately they didn't really look too much like them the characters in the movies they were just kind of like close (laughs) close enough (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and it was funny because Godzilla had wheels on the bottom of his feet. Right. You could just roll them around and his fist would shoot off. <laughs> wow. On on his on his right arm. You press the button in his <laughs> in the crook of his elbow and his fist would go flying. <laughs> and then you could flick a lever on the back of his head and the and the fl- little flame tongue would shoot out. Rodan had like the ring the wings were he had like a bowling ball holes in his back and his wings were attached with rubber bands so they would flap when you and then you could also hook rubber bands into his talons so that, like, they would come up on something and, and close on, like, a, like whether it be a Matchbox car or a, or a G.I. Joe or something like that, and he could fly away with it. Awesome. And his beak ratcheted. And there was a little lever on the back of it, and his neck would turn, like, almost 360. Oh, sweet. Anyway, I used to watch, where I grew up in New York, they would do, on a uh, th- Thanksgiving Day, they would play King Kong, Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young. And then on the Friday, 
they would play three Godzilla movies and I would always sit and watch them all and I would set the three toys up in front of the TV and <laughs> kind of like do the voices of them like watching and remarking commenting on the whole thing <laughs> and having a conversation with me and them having a conversation amongst themselves and Godzilla would be like oh I remember this scene this is where I twisted my ankle and I you know I had to be rushed to the first aid and you know Oh, just kind of making up stupid shit like that. <laughs> right. So for Godzilla versus Hydra, which we know as Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, he's basically fighting this big monster that's created from the pollution. Right. Which Japan knows nothing about pollution. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I remember watching this as might have been one of those Thanksgiving weekends that I talked about earlier, but... What a, or either that or they were just doing a, a Royale one weekend and, and there was a shitload of them. Mm-hmm. My friend Billy Basner was over watching them with me. And that was the last one we had watched was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And he go and his mom called and said he had to go home. It wasn't dark out. It was probably like five o'clock. So it was just starting to get a little dark. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I got to go. And he's like, uh, and he gets halfway out the front door and he turns around and comes back in, start, tries to come back in and says, I'm scared. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed that he's scared, right? <laughs> so How I old start are you? slamming, uh, probably 10. Okay. <laughs> probably 10. And I start, like, I grab, I stop him in the door and I'm like trying to push him shut. You know, like get him out, and like he's like he's kind of like uh, Gene Wilder behind the bookcase of Young Frankenstein. You know what I mean? Right. He's like halfway in the door, and he's like, let, and he's like, no, I'm scared. Let me in. And I'm like, no, dude, go home. And I didn't want to let him in the house because he was gonna have to bug my sister, and then I was like, I don't want to bug my sister about this. This is gonna be bad news. Right. You're like, so, grow a pair, dude. I'm afraid of my sister. I, yeah. Right. Right. Well, the thing is, is he was bigger and stronger than me. Right. And he shoved his way back through and came in and shut the door. And then went, he went right to my sister and asked if she could walk him home. And she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, oh, well, that wasn't worth any of the effort I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought she was going to be mad about it. You're like, way to be anticlimactic, sister. Jesus. So that's my Godzilla versus the Smog Monster story. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I don't know what's more funny about that. Him being afraid of after a Godzilla movie or you <laughs> being afraid of your sister. That's just <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay, so after that, there's a couple other ones. We got to mention, uh, uh, oh, we skipped over it, but there's uh, one of the uh, key f- figures. I guess he's a foe, but he's not quite as foe-ish, you know, because sometimes he's a good guy. Or I think he's mostly a good guy. Is Mecha Godzilla? And he flies, and he does everything cool that Godzilla can do. Plus, Plus. 
he's a robot. Yeah, he's got like <laughs> fingertips that shoot, but it's very much that Japanese mech thing, you mm-hmm. know, that yeah. was going on and all that stuff. So uh, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for all of you kids that are out there, they're too young to remember anything from the films we're talking about, which were out in the 60s and 70s, and you don't know who Mecha Godzilla is. You can see Mecha Godzilla and all of his CGI glory in Spielberg's Ready Player One because he's in that. Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> I saw him and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and not internally. Right. <laughs> loud. Yeah. Like that level. <laughs> Around me, the people were like, fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. My wife's hiding her face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mecha Godzilla, I always thought was super fucking cool. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I mean, Godzilla's already cool looking. Yeah. So you take that look and you put a fucking robot over right. it. Get the fuck out of here. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That brings us to another robot <laughs> in the Godzilla series. Oh, no. This is an interesting tale. So basically, Toho Pictures, who was the home of, of Godzilla, they were, were wanting to ride on the coattails of the success of the Japanese television series, Ultraman. Ultraman was basically like this some kind of like alien suit robot suit or some shit like that that could grow up to be size of these invading monster attacks and it, and <laughs> basically like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is a rip off of it and a Voltron is kind of a rip off of it in a way just cool but but, but just cool yeah, yeah cool. cool yeah Ultraman's not so cool nope but in the 60s Ultraman was a huge Mm-hmm. Phenomenal I, hit. I think it, it was, might be still a thing right yeah, now. Yeah, it probably like, <laughs> is. They might be reissued like new, right series and mm-hmm. all that. And the original series only ran for a year, but they did like 30, 40 episodes with it from sixty six through sixty seven. Right, That's and it was crazy, man. And it was really popular. So, several years later, Toho finally jumps on that bandwagon, and they they put they actually want to do a, a robot in their series one of their Godzilla movies so they basically set up a competition for a kid to draw a robot and um, see if it wins whoever wins gets to be the have their robot movie right and so this is in 1973's uh, Godzilla versus Megalon <laughs> The robot in question, his name is Chagawa. <laughs> if you didn't catch that in, in the English non dubbing, mm-hmm. that was Jet Jaguar. <laughs> or Jet Jaguar. Wow, that's a major difference. Jet Jaga, Jet Jaga, Jaga. You, you, I mean, looking at the picture, it definitely has a unique look to it. I remember thinking he was freaky as a as a kid because mm-hmm. he has kind of almost like a Japanese kabuki kind of mask yeah, thing going on. Definitely, yeah. And um, well, I I never I haven't ever 
really watched this one all the way through. Okay. I, I remember seeing it later on, probably when my attention was fading from the giant monsters and stuff. Right, right. And so I was probably more into girls and drinking than monster. Well, this the movie is absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's about. Japan is in the, or the Earth and everybody, America, they're doing their nuclear bomb testings as usual. And it's upsetting all the monsters. So in the beginning, they're showing Godzilla in, in Monster Island being blown up. And he's just waving his arms around in fire. And, and Rodan's in there flapping his wings and getting all pissed off. And some other fucking monsters, you know. But then they show these people that live deep, 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 deep in, under the Earth. And they're like dressed like uh, Romans, but in bad, like Roman uh, costumes, you know, with like gold <laughs> leaves around their head what and the fuck, <laughs> and and togas, and they're white people. They're white people. They're you know what I mean. They're not Asian. This is bizarre, man. Well, what's really weird is usually when they have white people in this, the mouth matches the English dubbing, and this it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't matching it, so it's almost as if the guy was really speaking Japanese. Oh, the weird. one guy that spoke. So, um, wow. Basically, he's saying they lived on a continent that was just that had fallen in under the sea three million years prior. Wow. But there were the people that created Easter Island, those big statues on the Easter Island. All right. Grounded so far in reality. Now they have somehow created their own sun and their own atmosphere deep, deep in the center, center of the earth. And this nuclear testing that's going on is disrupting their civilization and destroying them. A lot of their right. people are getting killed. So they send up their giant cyborg beetle named Megalod mm -hmm. to basically put a stop to humanity mm -hmm. and keep the testing from happening so that these Cetopians, as they're called, can continue on with their lives. Hmm. So they're like sea people, right? Yeah, sea people. Yay! It's, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. And then Jet Jaguar. Somehow the Cetopians have people on the surface who are regular people working for them and doing dastardly deeds. And they break into this, our hero. There's like two heroes and a little kid, you know, his little brother. And the little brother's voice is so annoying. It's just so grating. Whatever, right. whoever did the dubbing. Dubbing, right. They're the ones that had built Jet Jaguar. It's like this orange and blue and silver kabuki masked robot. <laughs> and he's like six foot tall and kind of has a space suity pad look to him. Ooh, I'm digging it. They, they get beat up and the, the robot is stolen. They, all three of them get the shit beat out of them. And the robot is basically stolen. And, and so when Megalon comes to the surface, Jet Jaguar is being used to guide him to Tokyo so he can destroy Tokyo, right? Mm -hmm. Well, halfway through, one of the uh, good guys who built the robots like, oh, I have this controller around my neck that very conveniently overrides <laughs> the home computer. <laughs> Convenient, yes. So they're in a helicopter and they meet up with Jet Jaguar in midair and he's just floating there in midair, Jet Jaguar in these helicopters. And you can tell they're both little miniature models like swinging on strings. <laughs> And he, you know, he flies over to Monster Island while Megalon is busting the shit out of everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like a big beetle, so he has, like, these mandibles that open up and fireballs shoot out, and then he has this big horn or tusk on his head that has, like, you know, a ray beam that shoots out, and then 
yeah, whatever, all that, kinds of crap. That is just proof that these people were on LSD or something coming. They're looking at a beetle and going, oh, wow. Yeah. What if a <laughs> right. laser beam shot out of that? So this is where it gets kind of funny. This is. is. Oh, okay. Jet, Jagu- <laughs> Jet Jaguar gets lands on Monster Island. You can already tell Godzilla's worked up about something because he's standing there waving, <laughs> waving his arms for no apparent reason. <laughs> and he looks down at Jet Jaguar, who's, like I said, six foot tall. And Jet Jaguar starts communicating with him via weird hand signals. Yeah, he's teaching him sign kabuki. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like a it's like a guy guiding an airplane at the airport, <laughs> but he didn't have the flashlight things. Right, that's what he's doing, and like crossing his arms and slapping his chest like a like a like a gangster would, you know. Right. <laughs> and but but then it gets even funnier as Godzilla's looking at him and like shaking, nodding his head, and then starts hand signaling him back. <laughs> Well, he catches on fast, And man. Jaguar's, like, <laughs> throwing his head in a way, like, come with me kind of thing. And, and Godzilla nods and is just like, X is up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he jumps into the ocean and starts swimming for Japan. And Jet Jaguar flies back. Okay. Jet Jaguar comes back and he meets up with his three little heroes and all this stuff. And uh, he's just kind of ignoring them, the commands. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the creator guy goes, uh, I think I know what must have happened. He's programmed himself for survival. I built that into him. Nice. And I'm like, well, that's pretty fucking convenient and like literally Im- impossible, but okay. <laughs> it's so funny though. <laughs> and then so then he he turns around and flies toward Megalon, who who just kind of stops and stares at him for a minute, while he's like six foot tall. He could have easily just squatted, stood on him, and <laughs> squatted him, but he stares at him. So then he starts, Jet Jaguar starts doing these fucking hand things again. And then a big bright light shines in his chest, and he grows up to the same size as as uh, a Megalon, like and Godzilla and all those monsters. So now the the robot is as big as the monster is. And the 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 creator guy goes, "Oh, look! He must have also reprogrammed himself to make himself big." <laughs> How clever is that? Right. Instead of being like, oh, wow, it's self-aware. Everyone run! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's what would really happen. Right. But uh, the uh, Cetopians, they, <laughs> you know, they feel like... What a silly name. Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? Uh, anyway, sorry. They feel like uh, Megalon needs some help, so they call to... Uh, well, I can't even remember what it's called. Something like Universe or Galaxy Z or something like that. They call him Gigan, who is the monster from the year earlier <laughs> that Godzilla fought in the movie a year before, Gigan. And he's the one that has the, looks like almost like old fashioned uh, welding goggles for with a red eye, you know? <laughs> okay. And a big beak and then a hooked, two hooked arms that. Basically, they look like big sickles in a way. Right. He's kind of a cool-looking dude, actually. And he has spines down his back. Yeah, so he comes flying in from outer space as Jet Jaguar and Megalon are fighting. And right as he shows up, all of a sudden now, Jet Jaguar just can't do shit. He's getting the ever-living piss beat out of him. They're basically throwing him around like a piece of dirt back and forth, and he can't get up, and... Eventually, fucking Godzilla finally shows up, and uh, 
<laughs> he says, it, he's like, what's up, nerds? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they start, and actually, this is funny, though, is I just watched this movie last night before this recording, and uh, the uh, action, this that ensues right here is actually kind of fun. Oh, cool. <laughs> it, was cool. Enter- it was entertaining, and uh, the four of them fighting each other was pretty good. And, uh, you know, at first, Godzilla's beating the crap out of these guys. As he should. And Jet Jaguar's trying to assist him the best he can, but he's been hurt pretty bad. Right. But then, of course, they get the better of him, and they surround him in a ring of fire, a la Johnny Cash. <laughs> and and uh, But then... Jet Jaguar grabs Godzilla and flies him out of the ring of fire, and then they end up kicking Egon's ass so bad that he's just like, fuck you, I'm out of here, and flies back to space. <laughs> Left the oven on, sorry guys. And then the same thing with Megalon, he, he heads back down, burrows back down to the center of the Earth. And... So that's my that's my recap of Godzilla versus Megalon. But, and then basically Godzilla says all right i'm out of here Let's catch you all later you know to the two guys and the little kid and then uh you know and it's funny because him and jet jaguar like shake hands and nod at each other and all this stuff it's just like they're very appreciative the of each bump. other yeah they bump fists they bump chests like at millie vanilli style oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he yeah he goes and fly he's swims home to Monster Island and then Jet Jaguar does his hand signals again and shrinks back down to six feet tall and the two the dudes come running up and they go Jet Jaguar let's go home now shall we huh? and then they just keep saying it over and over hey it's time we went home again eh? and he's just standing there all like nothing and he goes hey what do you think's going on use the com link and he says Jet Jaguar let's go home and then he turns around and starts walking away <laughs> And they're like, what do you think of that? He gave up his powers, wow. you know? Now he's back to under our control. He's swell. And that was essentially the end of the movie. It was... Riveting. So it was a beautiful piece of cinema. Indeed. Hey! Jet Jaguar! It was funny. It was like, I'm laughing at how ridiculous this is. It's like a mystery science theater kind of thing. Right, yeah. I'm laughing at how ridiculous this is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And I didn't think I was going, I thought I was going to get, because some of these camera ones I had been watching earlier, I'm like, snore. (laughs) Right. You know? But this one was actually pretty good. It was a very sad ending, though, because they know that Jack Jaguar, they can't let his technology get into someone's hands so they have to lower him slowly yeah right into the molten steel and he thumbs up right before he goes in (laughs) i think uh, you know he goes quiet for a while uh there's another there's two more mecha godzilla movies after that uh godzilla versus mecha godzilla and then the terror of mecha godzilla which is both uh in 75 okay uh and then Godzilla goes quiet for about almost 10 years and well nine years and and, then it's return of Godzilla right yeah that's the one I saw in the theaters right it was titled Godzilla 1985 in some ways yeah in the states yeah yeah. and I saw that in 85 at a dollar theater oh wow yeah and I loved the poster for it I remember seeing the poster 
at one of the theaters and being like, wow, he looks so freaking cool in that. I loved the look of him because he looks right, so right. menacing. Yeah, he changed. The f- yeah. Yeah, they definitely made his face more because he's in through the 60s and early 70s. His face is almost dopey. Right. And yeah. Like Dino from Flintstones. You know, he just kind of has like these bulbous <laughs> he, eyes. and his- He goes through different looks. Sometimes he looks like paper mache and sometimes he looks good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, too, is he's like he's running. You can tell that the actor inside that suit is trying really hard not to trip and fall <laughs> he's down. Like, don't, don't fall. Don't fall. Please don't, don't fall. fall. Oh, God. This is my 17th take. <laughs> yeah. We only have the budget for so much film. If I fall, I'm fired. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But that one, yeah, was really the 1985 Godzilla. I remember seeing that. It was cool. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember bits and pieces. But I do remember uh, there was some political stuff in the movie as well. Like uh, there's a certain country that doesn't want the other countries to know that Godzilla is coming back. So they're trying to hide it. And then that inevitably starts other countries wanting to know what's bureaucratic stuff. Right. So no one knows anything, and Godzilla ends up destroying, I think it's a Russian sub. And so the Russians think that the Americans did it, and that ends up causing this big thing that almost turns into war because no one's been told Godzilla is back. And so right on the brink of war, Godzilla shows up on land, and then everyone goes, oh, no, it wasn't America, it was Godzilla. And so everyone starts launching their weapons at Godzilla because he's like the bad guy in this or whatever. We also can't fail to mention that in this movie, Raymond Burr returns to the series. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, this is a quasi-sequel, I guess, to the 1956 American version of Godzilla. And so, yeah, Raymond Burr makes his return. <laughs> yeah. You may have to rethink your strategies, gentlemen. There's probably no weaponry effective against Godzilla, except perhaps... Who are you? Name is Martin. You asked for me to be brought here. Mr. Martin is the man you asked me to get, General. He's the newspaper man that witnessed Godzilla's attack 30 years ago. Uh-huh. But, I mean, this is definitely one of those things when I was a kid, whenever the bureaucratic political stuff started coming up, I was just kind of like, la, 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 in my own little world. Yeah. But the minute Godzilla shows up, I'm all into it. I'm like, shut up, imagination. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me watch this greatness that is. And I don't remember a whole lot of it, so I don't know exactly. I can't project if it were a good movie. I, I just remember enjoying the Godzilla parts. Yeah. There's a f- couple of really weird ones that come in, like Space Godzilla. That's in uh, 94. Mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Space Godzilla and he's kind of like he kind of looks a little bit like Godzilla but not really but he has these giant pointed crystals coming out of his shoulders oh really I've never seen this ever it's just goofy and it's I don't know Biolante is another one where it's like this big plant monster that one got that one was pretty popular that was in 89 that was the one that basically followed uh the one you saw as a kid. Okay, yeah. Then they start revisiting some of the familiar ones like King Ghidra, Mothra, Mechagodzilla. And right. So then, and that's when Space Godzilla comes in as in 94, and then Destroya, which is a, like a new threat and a new monster. And that brings us, that's in 95, but that brings us to oh. the worst and shittiest. Godzilla movie of all time <laughs> thanks to everybody's favorite crap director <laughs> you mean Roland Emmerich yeah that's the guy 
He can make a pretty trailer, but everything else sucks a big floppy one. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember seeing the trailer for the 98 Godzilla. And in, in case anyone, everyone doesn't know, Roland Emmerich's the same guy who did like Universal Soldier and Independence Day and Stargate and all of those. And I hated every single one of those. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mentioned how much I, I hate Independence Day and the Little Green Men episode. Yeah. So go check that out if you want to hear more. But anyway, back to Godzilla trailer. Uh, I'm watching it and I'm like, I know it's from Roland Emmerich, but God damn it, it looks kind of cool. It's one of those trailers, in case you're not familiar with it, where which I wish they would do more of these days, where it's just a trailer. Yeah. It's not footage from the film. It's just shot to be a trailer. And it's... Uh, shot in the museum and it's the centers on the big bones of the t-rex right and this class is gathered around the bones of the t-rex this teacher's explaining that this is like the largest dinosaur around this creature was believed to be one of the largest predators who ever lived on our planet and a big giant foot comes through the ceiling and smushes the bones of the t-rex and it's the foot of godzilla yeah i remember that i think i remember seeing that ahead of uh starship troopers or something like that oh okay yeah and just being like wow that looks great yeah me too and then seeing the movie and just being like (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) just happened Right. This is a complete rape and pillage yes. of the entire concept of this creature. Yep. He's a giant iguana that is unisex mm-hmm. yep. and can fertilize its own eggs It's and likes to eat fish, attack the fishing boats, to yeah. eat tuna. Stupid. Did it, I don't even remember. Did it blow fire? Yeah, I think so. I believe there was a it scene. Did. Yeah. But, oh, man. I mean, I'll give the movie props for some of the effects are really good, but it's just a shit show. Yeah, You're watching yeah, pretty yeah, things yeah. on top of shit. I, <laughs> yeah. oh, I hated it, <laughs> especially coming from. I mean, I don't know if it would have been so bad if it was its own thing and not Godzilla, but it was a shit show. It was. It was a total. And that's what that, you know, when they brought in all those little baby Godzillas, I'm yeah. like. All right, so you're basically ripping off Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park here, right. like Velociraptors. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah raptors. So it's just ass. really, really infuriating, and we weren't the only ones. Right. We, uh, yeah. you know, luckily, luckily, everyone else didn't see that, and it was passed off as a good movie because it's not. Right. It's yeah. awful. <laughs> so we have a couple of other random ones. You know, they start getting pretty intense in back in Japan. Right, because this is like the millennium period, isn't it? Yeah, right. And and Godzilla 2000, I remember because of the Roland Emmerich one, I, all the friends I had back in this day, I was in a kung fu school at the time, and uh, I used to hang out with this group of people. We would go see movies a lot. We would watch a lot of kung fu movies. You know, Asian culture was getting really popular then anyway with the rise of Jackie Chan and all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. and the, Ma- the Matrix. And- right. And uh, when this Godzilla 2000 came out, I'm like, yes, another fucking a real comeback for Godzilla, you know, <laughs> right. right with a rubber suit style Godzilla, but with modern technology. And I convinced all my Kung Fu friends to go and I'm like, we're going. I said, this is going to make up for that shit show that was, you know, <laughs> two years ago with Matthew Broderick. Right. And we get in there and 
it was like two hours. It felt like it was three hours long. <laughs> it felt like an episode of Pinwheel, huh? <laughs> yeah, it sure did. I remember feeling really shitty because you recommended. My, I could tell my <laughs> yeah, and I could tell my friends were super bored, and <laughs> I was super bored. That one didn't work. That one was no good. But right, they were getting their footing. They'd been out of the game for a f- you know quite a few years, so I had to get their yeah. their footing. But then they do like a handful of uh, like combination one with Mothra, King Ghidra, giant monsters. Mm-hmm. It's called Giant Monsters All Out Attack, I right. should say. Yeah, uh, two thousand one. Uh, yeah. Then there's another Mecha Godzilla one, and then Tokyo SOS, and then I, I need to talk a little bit about Final Wars. Okay, talk away. Final Wars is weird. It was interesting and it's like aliens are somehow bringing down all of Godzilla's prior foes to fight him <laughs> and so he ends up having this big battle royale with all these fucking monsters from, from the past movies over the decades right fuck yeah cause that's what you want to see man that you want right. to see that shit. and one of the ones was the Roland Emmerich Godzilla <laughs> that he, he fights in that and I thought yeah. oh that's fucking funny that's really funny that they're doing that thank god but it was also really weird was uh, there was a UFC fighter that was in this movie he was the <laughs> only American guy that I can remember there might have been other someone other American guy but okay. it was uh, Don Fry who was <laughs> before the UFC had weight classes he was one of the last non-weight class champions he was a badass motherfucker and i think i think around this time period is when they did add in the the weight classes and he decided to go live in japan and fight for uh whoa wait whoa uh, ho 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 you're saying that this guy was a bigger badass than macho man randy savage oh oh, yeah yeah. well he was real yeah (laughs) you know that i'm the cream of the crop he would have broken randy savage's neck hey r.i.p macho man r.i.p yeah Maybe his neck got broken by Mm-mm. too many slim jims. That's what. Did anyway, it. he but he's in the movie and he he's a retired army guy and he because I I know this because he he uh, lived in Sierra Vista, south of Tucson. Oh, okay. Where the uh, Fort Huachuca army base is. That's where he was. He might still live there for all I know. <laughs> and but he kind of talked like Sergeant Slaughter from speaking <laughs> speaking of Randy Savage. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was just really random that he was in a Godzilla movie, and hmm. and he was the human character that they had to weave into the story when uh, Godzilla wasn't fighting a monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's like this whole like aliens trying to take over the Earth with all these monsters or something, you know? Interesting. Something hmm. like that. I don't remember exactly. This is the that's one of the quotes that really the nerds out there are gonna want to kick my ass for. <laughs> But you can't because you're fucking nerds. Damn. We're doing a whole show on kaiju, you nerdy hypocrite. No. I don't want to go your court martial or anything else you have. So just keep your mouth shut. Go Tango. Return to base. Well, that was so that was 2004. And then basically that leads us all the way up to Gareth Edwards' American uh, legendary movie uh, with Brian Cranston and. The kid from Kick-Ass. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. That is not a transformer malfunction. That is an electromagnetic pulse. It affects everything electrical for miles and miles, and it is happening again. This is what caused everything in the first place. Don't you see that? 
I like it for being the most accurate version adaption from America yeah. <laughs> of Gojira. Yeah. It's very, very true to that. And he's, you know, he, he kept a lot of the things that were really fan. And I think that he knew, in my opinion, I think that he knew that we have to fit a story in here to connect this piece with this piece with this piece. And he tried, I think, to make it to where you would, it was emotional baggage with the characters. What happened was that it came out very heavy handed. And you, so you try to get these actors and you get someone like Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. You get him, and he's he's solid in it. But again, the material is very heavy-handed. That it becomes up, it comes off as really sappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a that's lot what of I his stuff. Too. And then the other guy that's in it, he's a good actor who plays his son. He's just really bad in the movie. Right. He's really wooden, and he, I don't know what was going on there or, or there. But his the character was so. I see that movie as a collage of really cool set pieces, and then the middle, meh, whatever. Right. Yeah, all the monster stuff is great, and oh, yeah. all the people stuff is horrible. <laughs> the way the way he introduces the Godzilla character, yeah, is just I I remember like this big grin on my face. <laughs> yeah. You know, the water starts flooding in. You yeah. start seeing it. You're like, oh shit, here we go. Nobody's safe. Then, yeah, it's almost yeah. like well, because of the tsunami stuff that happened. Right. In Japan, too. And it's very similar to that, you know. Right. And, yeah, the way he just kind of, like, lifts his head up. Yeah. So, aesthetically, the the look of it, the feel of it, as, as far as monster stuff goes, he fucking nailed it. Right. It's just all the shit around it. It's just a mess. <laughs> I, no, I'm, a, I'm in complete agreement right. with you, I think. So, I like it as a visual fun thing to watch just because it's 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 godzilla and it's done in a really unique and you know really up-to-date effects and everything everything that you kind of put in your imagination what what should have been happening with godzilla with that suit like you know oh did he just swallow or hey is he breathing you know when it's just the character the guy inside the suit moving around you know you see him the blinking and the snarling and the effects of the skin when something hits him like a bomb or something hits him you see the burn marks kind of hit his skin and the skin draws up and stuff he's really minute on that stuff yeah, it was cool too with the uh, the paratroopers. Gave a really big sen- scale of the creature. Right. When they they're like dropping down beside yeah. it, and then the flash bombs go off, and then you can yep. see how big he is. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, you know, that's like the first time you really ever feel how big he really is, and then yep. you're like, holy fuck, forget it. Yeah. A, a nuclear bomb might as well have gone off because you're right. not surviving that. Nope. Nope. So. So yeah. For what he was going for with the monsters, A+. And then the rest was kind of an F. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So I wanted to watch Shin Godzilla because I feel like Shin Godzilla, in a way, was a Toho rebuttal to Legendary's Godzilla. Oh, you know, really? Okay. It's again an origins one. Godzilla's kind of young and being born and all that stuff. And there's some really cool elements to it. And again, to get into the bureaucracy of government quite a bit. It's pretty heavy handed in that. Okay. I haven't seen this, so okay. But it kind of works in the beginning. And then Godzilla, when he becomes full grown and starts 
attacking and blowing the shit out of everything, and he's wow. shooting laser, he's shooting beams out of his back and nice. blowing up every everything around. I thought, oh man, this is fucking cool. <laughs> I almost texted you on that thing, dude. Right. This, oh, holy damn shit. And then he, you know, because he's basically a walking nuclear reactor, as as described in this film. Okay. After doing all that, he's depleted, and he goes to sleep for, like, another one-third of the movie. And I'm like, oh, man. And so then it's back to all this bureaucratic shit, and how are we going to build this way to blow him up or something? And, and so they get a nuke, and they blow him up. They don't. They just freeze him. Oh. They just freeze him right there. They get, like, uh, blood <laughs> coagulants and, and shoot him into his mouth with these cranes. They shoot a bunch of blood coagulant so that he stiffens up and hardens and freezes. Huh. And that's it. The okay. movie kind of ends. He's stand, He's frozen <laughs> over the Bay of Tokyo, like or, or, right, you know, right at the end. That's it. So uh, I guess they're gonna do a sequel. I have no fucking clue. Well, I mean, if it made a decent amount of money, you know they're going to. I mean, come on. Yeah. So that'll roll us right into Godzilla: King of the Monsters from 2019, which was like a. Blockbuster CGI extravaganza. (laughs) I'll tell you what they did in that movie that I was really happy with that they hadn't done in any of. Well, they I'll say they didn't do in the 2014. Yeah, Godzilla. Godzilla, which was the uh, guy that they got to do the soundtrack was a huge Godzilla fan, and so he was the first to tell Warner Brothers, "We have to bring Godzilla's music, his theme, back." Right. And so he was able to do that. That was pretty sweet. If we want to talk about opinions on this movie, I mean, it's kind of similar to the 2014 one where it's the monster stuff is kick-ass. Great. And then the people stuff is not so great. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's... It's filler for all those people that need to hear humans talk. And, right, right. And also, you have to have humans talk a little bit about what's going on so they can save money on CGI. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's basically like world building. Right. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Who cares? But the best part is basically, you know, all the fights. And, and, and um, King Ghidorah or Ghidra oh, or Monster Zero, whatever you want to call him. Right. Uh Kick ass. He looks so good in this movie. They really did make him look My God. amazing. Yeah, so seeing him and seeing um, uh, seeing the big version of Mothra even was fucking yeah. sweet. And then Rod- Rodan was Rodan awesome. Rodan is so badass. Yeah. yeah. Rodan looks really good in this movie. But, I mean, in the old movies, he definitely looks a little campy, you know, with the right. kind of plastic-looking wings sticking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's very stiff. But, uh, yeah, they bring him to life in a really good way in this. Right. The whole thing where, they're, uh, you know, once uh, Godzilla wins the battle, you know, uh, the, all the other monsters kind of kneel down to him as the king it's pretty goddamn corny <laughs> yep yeah no it is it's totally corny yeah it's totally corny and it wraps the movie up in a place where they needed to be like we're all recognizing that he's the badass in this universe that they've set up and all of this stuff and so I, right. you know i get it with that but everything that builds to that scene is so good that it's easy to kind of eh, whatever yeah well i mean the whole movie is pretty much that way yeah, it's, just, you're, it's really just about the fight scenes. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. For diehard Godzilla fans, it's spank bank material. 
Right, 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 right. <laughs> because it's shit that you've always wanted to see and glorious, high-resolution mm-hmm. CGI fantasticness. And... Right. But, I mean, and then I guess we'll lead straight into uh, 2021's Godzilla versus King Kong. I, it's not that much different as far as, yeah. like, the opinions of, of how... The, the plots and all that stuff, but the the, the monster content is Ugh. it's better than the other two movies combined. Like, oh my god, it's so good. There's and, shit in that movie that's just in the yeah when he's on the carrier. Just in that scene alone, I was just like, it could end right now, and I'd be yeah. super happy <laughs> right, with right. what I just witnessed. Oh my god, there was some glorious shit in that. Yeah, that's you know once it, going to that center Earth place and all that, I was kind of losing a little interest there. Right, but um. And then you know the big reveal that you know it, they got a team up to fight against Mechagodzilla, which I, uh, I think a lot of the people knew that was coming, but um, it right paid off pretty well. Man, yeah, it's pretty bad. So so fucking cool. Right, the whole Godzilla versus King Kong thing, and and when you mention it, and you know. Godzilla's power and what King Kong can do and everything. Of course, you know, everyone roots for King Kong because he's the underdog in this movie, even, mm-hmm. you know? And so you root for him. But, you know, Godzilla would win that fight no matter yeah. what anyway. Yeah. So when the way they do it is really cool because, you, you, you know, he gets him down, you know, Godzilla knows, I beat you, motherfucker. Right, right. But then Godzilla's getting his ass handed to him by Mecha Godzilla, and right. King Kong has to come in and save. That's a cool way to kind of even things out a bit. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it was kind of cool. The idea of the axe using the, the Godzilla creature's blade off of his right. back, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, inventive yeah. way of coming up with something to at least up the ante for King Kong, who would who's easily outgunned without any kind of breath or anything like that you know right right so yeah just being able to see the characters really go at each other with agility mm-hmm. and you know not like hokey uh, humans inside of costume movement right, yeah. <laughs> right. seeing their their skin react to actual damage to their body and yeah. you know them snarl and all of that stuff is just just I mean, that's it. They don't have to make any more for me. After that, yeah. I'm good. I, I kind of feel that way, too. But uh, I'm sure that they will make more. Right. Because um, it was a big one. But I mean, in a way, for us, it wraps it up because, you know, we the two main characters we talk about, you know, are meeting this year with that. Right. You know, King Kong and Godzilla. Granted, they did it in '62, and and it, right. it, what's kind of, it is kind of cool how they in, in, uh, integrate that early movie into the story of this uh, yes. movie too. Right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really uh, uh, there's some cool there there in this one. I would say I, I would say out of all of the monster movies they've done with you legendary. know legendary. Uh, yeah. yeah, the legendary ones with Godzilla, the second Godzilla, the Cole, uh, Skull Island, and then this one all combined together. I think this one has the most interesting ideas in it. Right. Whereas, you know, keeping Kong in that facility where it's it's this huge bunker thing that with yeah. the fake skies and stuff, right. and he knows it, he's calling them out on their bullshit and stuff. Right. That's all. That's interesting stuff that, you yeah. know. It building up into these dumb human subplot shit that we, we none of us want to. Right, that's the side team that gets 
caught up in the whole right. monarch thing i was like oh god yep couldn't care less but right at least they're throwing interesting shit with the monsters at you to keep you in and like i say you know once that battleship scene hit i was like yeah. fuck right gorgeous it was gorgeous it was it was so stellar job there nice wrap up leave it alone yeah please i'm sure you won't So the only things we need to mention real quick to kind of wrap up the Godzilla movies is there's three anime Godzilla movies on Netflix. Have you seen any of them yet? Because I scrolled past them, but I haven't got a chance to watch them yet. So... Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. They ran from 2017 to 2018, and um, they used the legendary Gareth Edwards creature design. As, but with Japanese anime, uh, yeah, style p- humans and shit. Yeah, it's sweet. So I don't, I don't know if they're any good or not. Yeah, I definitely want to check them out because uh, one, the animation kind of looks cool. Like like you and I both have said in previous uh, episodes, we're not super into anime or anything like that. But the the look of it looks really cool, and the fact that they're using the look uh, that Gareth Edwards did for his movie in 2014. I really dig that look. It's not a huge, huge different um, look of the original. It's not a big change, but I just really dig the look of it. And they captured it really well in that animation from what I've just seen flipping through and scrolling through and reading like the synopsis and stuff on Netflix. So I I definitely want to check it out. Right. I guess the only other one we really should touch base on that's in this genre and it comes kind of later in the in the realm is the Pacific Rim movies. Right. Today we face the monsters that are at our door and bring the fight to them. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. Obviously, the first one being Guillermo del Toro's, it's his concept, his thought. I mean, he basically was like, I want to do my own kind of Godzilla type thing and all that right. stuff. And uh, here we are, right? So uh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember seeing that in the theaters and I was like 90% with it. You right. know what I mean? I loved it, but I, I didn't like flip out. Right. But I was 90% in love with it. Right. I really yeah. thought it was cool and... They're, what is it about giant monsters and right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, and and that's... giant robots. It's just cool. You know, Guillermo del Toro's aesthetic is obviously the oh, coolest, yeah. and that yeah. whole setup of the base with the you mm-hmm. know where the where the remaining what was Jaegers. it five Jaegers were were yeah. hanging you know being and then the the different teams and and how they one ran on diesel and all that shit right. they were, you know yeah. it was so cool and then that that interface the fact that it required a teammate you know and i think that was his right. way of kind of creating team bonding and character right. more of a character thing right which was kind of smart and then yeah the sharing of the minds and all that stuff but also that rather than just a voltron where it's one person does this and one yeah, person, one person yeah. does that yeah where basically you're, it's your whole body is you know, yeah, that, that's really unison, yeah. yeah it's really cool
And then we have to mention the one that got Gareth Edwards the job for Godzilla, which was his movie called Monsters. Which had giant monsters in it. But it's almost like post-apocalyptic in a way where right. monsters, they're like, they just Sectored start, they off. just pop up, yeah. right? Correct, yes. So basically there's a huge like border wall that is built. This guy must have been ahead of his time on this one. But anyway, mm-hmm. he, be- he built this border wall to keep these giant monsters out. But somehow they've broken through to the other side. But the wall is gigantic and it says caution on the other side, monsters or whatever. And so these people are stuck on the wrong side of the wall, I believe. And they're trying to get out. And it's it's an interesting story. He had to do what he could with the budget. He didn't have a giant budget at the time. So he had to put the monster monsters sporadically here and there throughout the film and it's it's a good mix it's a good balance right and he plays up the tenseness of the situation with the monsters where are they They, they're a really unique look they kind of have this glowy underwater deep water those fishes that glow kind of feel to them really really good stuff so that was an interesting movie i mean i i don't have a ton of affinity for it but i thought it was really well done yeah it was different it was it was unique enough that when he was announced to do a Godzilla movie in tradition and being that he was a big fan, I was really excited about it. Yeah, me too. Right. So, my friend Tim, I think we've finally reached the end of this conversation. Yeah. We've talked a lot about this Shia. Yep, yep. But before we go, uh-huh. we... Need to take a look back on what we've talked about over this whole show. Right, right. Look back there. Look (laughs) at all that talk that we did. (laughs) Right, right. A lot of it. Lots and lots of it. But, I mean, even though he's wrecked Tokyo 18,000 times, (laughs) we still are interested. Or King Kong climbing up the the Empire State Building. Right. Or, as you've recently seen, The Rock and his white gorilla trashing whatever city that was. (laughs) Rampage. I don't know why the hell I saw that, but I I had to sit down and force. I don't know why I watched it. It was awful. I do. I'll tell you why. why. I'll tell you why you watched it. Because it's giant fucking monsters destroying shit. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) I literally do not think that that will never ever not be fascinating is to watch a giant monster destroy shit that's why i played rampage the game i was like fuck yeah you get to destroy cities for our generation you know uh, i'm in my mid 40s and what you're in your on the precipice yeah your late 30s more year so i a lot of it is nostalgia oh yeah of course you're you know it's kind of like with the star wars thing and all that stuff it's what you knew as a little kid right right plus i mean basically we're that first generation of boys kids that never grew up (laughs) 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 but i mean it's one of those things when you're a kid you see those kind of images that are burned into your retinas yeah right and as uh we've kind of alluded to on our uh that's kid stuff episode where action figures become this thing that expand your imagination and like you talked about having a Godzilla action figure and stuff like that it's fun to play with those and expand the world of what we did that which expands our creation and our creativity and stuff like that and so but not even just having specific 
giant monster toys. If you have one action figure that's bigger than the other, you immediately go, he's a giant. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I don't know. I think it's just this weird fascination, even with seeing things that we know can't be that big or bigger than us or that size, be that size. It's just terrifying. Even though we know it can't happen, it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's there's also a weird fascination with seeing landscapes destroyed oh yeah you know oh yeah I, mean? I don't know what that's all about yeah but, I, who you know knows? but that independence day movie was a huge success i think because of that you right know, blowing up landmarks you know of course yeah i mean every superhero movie does it yeah right <laughs> and then you know san andreas right with uh your pal the rock oh jeez. <laughs> yeah but seeing these massive sized beasts no matter if they're beasts and monsters, or even if they're robots, it's so freaking cool. There's definitely, too, I think, as far as Godzilla goes, too. There's the, you know, there's a um, a weird fascination with Japanese culture, too. Oh, yeah. Some people get fall into, yeah. You know, where they're like obsessed with, uh, you know, the clothes, the girls, the samurai culture, the history, the anime, and right. all that stuff. And it's like, all right, guys. So there's something mixed in with everything that we've mentioned, whether it's the love of Japanese culture or Asian culture or giant monsters or destruction. All of these things may be mixed together or one separately for each and every one of us little geeks that are out there. You know, whether it's passive geeks like you and I who enjoy some of the movies and and haven't seen every single thing. And then hardcore geeks out there who know every single movie back to front and collect all of the action figures and toys that are out there for the product. Right. There is something in the culture that people just latch onto and love. Whether it's Godzilla or Gamera or whatever it is, people love these things. And it's fascinating to me. As much as it is watching the things, it's fascinating to watch some of the people who love it so much. You know what I mean? Well, I mean... It's it's a testament to the staying power because it's what sixty no seventy years later right yeah from the from the original Godzilla and uh, right and seventy years later past the original Godzilla the twenty fourteen one comes out and makes near a billion dollars that's amazing ninety years later yeah ninety five years later on on uh, King Kong yeah whatever right so. I mean, that's all I can think of. But if you guys out there have any other explanations as to why you think uh, this stuff has lasted as long as it has had such an impact on our pop culture. And in the meantime, have yourself a pleasant uh, this or that and whatever. <laughs> Very nice. And stop, and stop commenting on how I said that thing wrong. Uh, <laughs> how I said uh, Megal or Buragon wrong or whatever. Tim. Don't let them know your insecurities. Now they're just going to aim for it. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, I'm hitting the button. Okay. No, no, no. That one plays the song that calls Mothra. What? (laughs) I've been hitting it this whole time. (laughs) All right. Then I'll hit this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay.